Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. What has yeah, being so annoying stopped you ever? That's an excellent point. <laughs> an excellent point. That's part of the charm. And Rich Crage. Corey Graves screaming, perfectly legal, Cole. You can do anything you want in tribal combat. It's perfectly legal. While Paul Heyman is just yelling, tribal combat, tribal combat, tribal combat, tribal combat, tribal combat. I'm like, God damn it. Because, Fuck all again. of you. Fuck this. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? How are you? I'm good. You got ahead of the game there. Trying to ask me how I was before I asked you how you were. I don't like it. Yes. I don't like it. I'm fine. Give the empty answer. I'm fine. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why do you ask? Yeah. (laughs) Do I appear not fine? Is there a reason why you're asking? Is is is, are you concerned or no? Is this I don't know. Something wrong with you? No, I'm fine, I think. No. I don't know. I'm sure there is. I mean, I watch wrestling, so there's obviously something wrong with me, but I devote so most of always... my free time to professional wrestling. So, yeah, clearly I have a lot wrong with me. And then I devote even more of that free time to talking about it. But uh, other than that, no, I'm fine. I'm good. It's always good to insult every person listening. Oh, they know. As soon as Come you start on. the show. No, I'm not. I'm insulting me. I'm insulting me. Yeah, but everybody listening. I'm sure I'm insulting them. The yes, but I'm mostly insulting me. It's called self. I'm self-deprecating here, Joe. But uh, you're right. I am also telling them too that they they know they're they're listening to us live. <laughs> NFL season started. We got people listening to us. You know what I mean? Like you got Ring of Honor, you got Impact, and you got the NFL. And there's these people are listening to us live. So you know what? They know. Are you? Uh... Are you excited about your Chicago Bears? Oh, season? absolutely ex- ecstatic about my Chicago Bears, yes. And all the great players they have. Just, Justin Fields the and, the and uh, those other guys that they have, yeah. How many um how many current how bears many could bears, I have? How many how many bears do you think you can name on the fifty three man? opening day roster well one of them i just saw appearing for the detroit lions so not that guy anymore when they said david montgomery i went oh <laughs> all right well, he's not a bear anymore okay i uh, didn't know that uh, is that new is that last year is that this year i don't know when he's not been a bear but there you go um i know cleo mack is no longer a bear either so i'm at justin fields um that's one that's one <laughs> richard dent i'm out i'm out i got nobody Richard Dent. <laughs> it's not still there. That man. It's not that still man around. Retired before you were born. <laughs> he did. Retire. No, no. Did he? That I might not have. be true. No, that it's not, not long true. after. Not long after. Um, but uh, 
So you named Richard Dent, <laughs> David Montgomery, Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack, and Justin Fields. Well, give, give me, give me, give me another second here. Let's see. Um, trying to go down the position chart as if I know who any of these. I'm like, all right, let me focus just on the wide receivers. I yeah, I got nothing here. I've. Uh, I don't know anything about the Google Bears. Either. I don't know. Any- no, I, I, I can't even. I don't even want to go. I don't even want to Google it because then it's going to think that I'm a Bears fan and send me a bunch of Google, uh, uh, you know, Bears. I, I have no idea. No earthly idea. You don't even want your algorithm to. <laughs> I don't even want to get sent Bears news. No, no time. No time for the fucking Chicago Bears in my life. I'm good. Is there a lot of buzz around town for <laughs> Justin Fields? Uh, so I, I've, I've taken on the role as like guy that people know doesn't watch the NFL anymore, so they don't really even talk to me about it. You know what I mean? So I, I don't even know if there's buzz around. I think I feel like there is. I feel like there is a little bit of a buzz because they, um, I want to say they, they make a big trade in the off season. If I, I if I fly into Chicago tomorrow, let's say a Friday. And I put on the local sports talk. What 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 will what will be the what will be the lead topic on I, oh, drive the time? The Bears for sure. Well, uh, uh, you got the Cubs. The Cubs are surging, as I'm sure you all know, as, as a Reds fan, that the Cubs are surging. It it might start with the Cubs, but I think it would very quickly go to the Bears. I think I think there's cautious cautious optim, optimism about the bears this year and i there always is and that's why i stopped being a bears fan because it's like they're probably gonna suck right and everyone's like i don't know i got this guy and then they would always suck and i was like why do people like this team and then i just stopped watching them in like the 90s i decided i was i was done with it seeing my dad and, and everybody get upset about the bears over and over ah we got this curtis enos guy this is turtle gonna turn things around oh i'm sure and then that never and then time and time again it never happened it never happened never happened i was like this team is stupid i don't care they won a super bowl before i was born (laughs) i don't give a shit um you're you're the definition of a fair weather fan i'm not a fair no i'm not fair weather because i'm not i'm never come back i I don't give a shit they went to the super bowl i didn't care they're I, I do not. If they got good, I wouldn't care. I have no. I'm not even a fair weather fan. I have no emotional attachment whatsoever to the Bears. Never they did. They lost you forever. They lost me forever. Yeah. I, I. I don't care. Don't watch them. Don't bother with it. Don't even engage in conversations about it. I have no time for them. No. No problem. You don't see a Bears highlight of a big play and nah. get those old feelings. No, and- I never had those feelings. It's weird because like growing up, and and it's probably a byproduct of of the era when I grew up, and, and and a lot of people might know this too. And and you know we've been talking about okay, yeah, crack it open a cold one for the NFL season. There you go, Joe. What do you got a Coke Z? Did you go cherry Coke Z this time or what? Ha- you got a camera in my house or some shit? Is that I, a cherry Coke Z? It's a cherry vanilla. Cookie. Oh, see, I knew you'd celebrate, though. This is a big day for you. That's why you see you're celebrating in style. Like, you know, some men crack open their favorite, you know, alcoholic beverage. And, you know, and, and you to show you how big of a fan I am. Uh, I was about five minutes late getting on to the, uh, the, the to our little uh, whatever you call it, our gimmick here, as you may have noticed, because. I was yelling and screaming at my TV because I opened up the uh, the Prime Video looking for this game, and then I realized it was on NBC. <laughs> so that that's how big of a fan I am. I, I, I'm like, why? Where is it? I'm, I'm clicking the. I'm like, it's the live TV tab. My wife's like, what are you yelling? I'm like, I can't find a fucking game. 
but it's not on Amazon Prime. What's that? What are the it's Amazon games? What what day are the Amazon games? I thought they were today. Oh. I thought they were. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I know it's a mess. Sunday is going to be like the day of reckoning, right? Because that's when Sunday Ticket debuts on on YouTube TV. I know there's a lot of. Uh, oh yeah. Old men, <laughs> not happy about this at all. Not forty-five plus men are uh, very, very upset about what's going to occur on Sunday. Yeah, well, you know what? It's not just going to be them. It's going to be everybody because you know those streams are going to be like forty seconds behind, mm-hmm. which for a normal person is fine. Oh, I watched the Super Bowl for- on YouTube TV a couple years ago, which was cool because it was in four K, so it looked great. But we quickly realized we we had to let our phones go because we like my buddy would be looking at his phone, and be like, oh. Uh. Hmm. Yeah, and then we'd look yeah. up and we'd be like, "What?" And he's like, uh, "Someone's gonna uh, hold on a minute." And we'd sit there and wait. And then all of a sudden, like a minute later, "Oh, here's this big play!" And we were like, "Okay, we got to get this thing out of here. We got phones go away. Don't look at the phone because it was, it was a pretty. And I don't know if it's different because it was in 4K or whatever, but it was a dramatic difference between like. No, you know how these streams are. They're always behind a little. None of them are synced up. Um, like I might be 40 seconds behind. You might be 25 seconds behind. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It streams are weird like that. And not only just what you're saying, people getting spoiled by their phones, people not being able to participate in social media while the game's going on. Cause, cause of the delay. Think about the real time gambling, which is a huge business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You could throw that right out the window. Yeah, 45 because, seconds is a big amount of time. I uh, forget it. Yeah. I mean, if 20 seconds is a huge, it is a huge amount of time, you know? So you could forget real-time gambling. You could forget participating in social media. You could forget getting spoiled. I mean, it's going to be a mess, let alone. <laughs> I can't wait. Let alone all the problems people have, you know, setting it up. Like you're saying, maybe some of the older people, um, you know, just getting it ordered, getting it set up, not understanding where to go. And, um, you know, the two login limit that they're setting. So you can only watch two different games at the same time in your house. Oh, so, interesting. That's not that's not going to go well. St- Rich, it fucking stinks. Okay, poor it TV fucking, guy over so, there can't be happy about it. No, it was so much better on DirecTV. I mean, it, it just in every single way. Like, forget four TV guy because I'm a weirdo. How many? You know, there's not that many four TV guys in one room. What about like a family of five? You got the father, you got the mother, you got a couple of kids. What if they're all fans of different teams? You're locked into two games because you only get the two logins. You know, it's 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 even people like that are getting screwed with this whole deal. So, uh, no, I, I don't see how anyone could possibly be looking forward to the package moving to YouTube TV. Yeah, it seems uh, like it's going to be a, a <laughs> bad day. But uh, no, about my, my my football fandom. You know, I grew up in the '90s. Obviously, it was you know my formative years and. I think just because of ESPN and SportsCenter and stuff, I didn't really, I didn't care about like my hometown team or whatever. I obviously did for basketball because my hometown team was, you know, the Chicago Bulls. So that was kind of easy. And I cared about my hometown team in the 90s for baseball because it was the White Sox and Frank Thomas fucking rocked. So it was like very easy to kind of like those two teams. But the Bears were like bad. And then I would watch the highlights and I'm like, well, all these guys are much more fun and much better. Plus, if you, I was, because I, I would, I used to watch football all the time. But on a Sunday, you could watch a bunch of different stuff. Like I would never, if the Bears were up against another team, I'd always watch the other team. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go watch these guys, you know, because there was always just you know the stars of the '90s. There's all those guys that were just incredible. Like how I became a huge Randy Moss guy for a while. I, I didn't really follow a team. I just kind of followed dudes that I liked. And then Madden turned that into you know following guys that I liked playing as and following teams I liked playing as or whatever. So uh, yeah, I, I never, never really quite got in with the Bears emotionally, and and that's probably for the better.
Yeah, you, you got to eliminate some of these sports as you get older anyway. Yeah, who's got time for football? Yes. Yeah, I don't You time. just don't have the time. Well, I've always yeah, said my, yeah. my, my, my thing is on Sundays. I, I can swagger walk in any grocery store, apple orchard in the world, Joe. It's it's a ghost town there when the Bears are on. I, I actually wish – honestly, I wish the Bears were really good because then, like, nobody – because you could see as the season wears on that my plan starts to kind of lose steam. By early December, it's like – everybody's just doing everything again you know the sunday like because those first couple of sundays you can go anywhere in this town it's it, it's a ghost town it's incredible i love it it's just and then little by little as they start to get bad and people start to have to you know fight their wives about you know watching no no i gotta watch that. she's like hey aren't they don't they suck and he's like okay i guess they do or guys just decide i don't need to watch these this stupid team anymore uh my, my plan starts to uh erode a little bit but it, it's fun for a couple of weeks so hopefully they're good hopefully they're good well you know I still don't have my local Fox. So. Oh, geez. Is, so you don't have your Fox. What's the thing with Disney right now? Because I know that's been causing some ESPN and ABC are not on uh, Spectrum. Okay, is that what it is? Spectrum. Yeah, Spectrum yeah. cable systems are not getting ESPN. Um, I don't have my local Fox, which means this Sunday there's two games that I just can't watch. They're going to be blacked out on Sunday ticket, and I can't watch the Fox. Uh, 49ers, Pittsburgh, and whatever their 4 o'clock game is on Fox. Because, you know, my plan is use two of my logins for two of the TVs and then put on just the over-the-air games on the other two TVs, whatever's on Fox and whatever's on CBS, right? So I could still have games on on all four TVs most Sundays. Um, Does YouTube have a – uh, do they have, like, a mosaic or whatever? I don't, I forget what they call it. They do. They're having a um, – okay, so DirecTV used to have the eight-game and the four-game screen okay right? i forget what the branding of that was but yeah for people that don't know it's just all the screens showing or all the games yeah, showing you, up at a time youtube's gonna have a four game screen they're not gonna have an eight game screen but they're gonna have a four game screen but the the advantage the what the what you could do on the youtube one is choose which games you want on the four game okay screen. all right yeah it's kind of cool direct tv couldn't do that you had the eight game screen and the four game screen and they picked the games so and they we would try to pick like the four biggest games but they'd always fuck it up um but you know, that's one advantage in a sea of disadvantages and no eight game screen, which was which was helpful. But uh this this Fox thing with with DirecTV, I mean, I'm just looking at the schedule now. The Cowboys don't play on Fox until week three. Oh, September I was going to say, 24th. Jesus Christ, they better get that figured out in Texas or else. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It has to be settled. There will be pitchforks. <laughs> there will be. There, yeah. January I mean, 6th, look be... out. Yeah. Don't give Texas their cowboy games on a Sunday. That's not going to go well. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, ever, I'm just not looking forward to it as much as I used to. Now that it's on YouTube, it's fucking. Disaster. There you go. Join me. You know? Yeah, join me. Go to the Apple Orchard on Sunday instead, Joe. Just frustrating. <laughs> um, it's never as good. It's never as good or or as clean. You know, a picture with the stream. It just isn't. I mean, people could swear up and down that it is, but. Um, every now and then it'll just get fuzzy randomly. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. The stream sometimes. And, uh, I, I, you know, it, for wrestling, like everybody always used to blame the network, you know, ah, this fucking network, the screen's all fuzzy or it's not working. No, it's just, you know, that's the nature of streaming. You know, it's, it's, it's your, it's your, uh, it's, it, it's everybody has their own internet speeds and, you know, it's just, it's, it's all a mess, you know, 
But uh, are you still getting? Uh, what's what's the Directv gimmick where you'd be able to see like the big plays or whatever? Where, where if there was a goal line stand or whatever, they would switch about, to that. Uh, red zone. Uh, red zone. Yeah, yeah. Is that getting carried over too? You, you really didn't aren't familiar with red zone. Nah, like, nah. Like, Why would I be familiar with red zone? I don't give a shit. See, red zone to me, I I. I I don't watch a ton of Red Zone because if you're watching everything, you're not watching anything. I watched it one time. I was at a buddy's house and they had it on and I hated it. And I couldn't say that I, I hated know it. people love it. Because they were like, you know, ah, like ah. they were just like, because it's nonstop excitement. But I'm like, this is nothing. It's just that I, you're not getting a flow of the game. You don't know what's actually going on. It's just bouncing between these different things. And you're seeing all these goal line stands and big play. I don't know. It, it, it's, I, I like a little bit of the, you need, you need some of the calm to make the important moments feel better and feel bigger. You, you don't get a real feel for any of the games. Right. You don't know that, like, what led to the thing happening. It's like, it's not the same as right. sitting and watching a really good, you know, drive just little by little, chipping down, the, right. you know, getting a oh, first down here and a first down there and boom, a big play here and then a first down and the first down. Now they're in the red zone. You just see the red zone part. You have no idea what led to it. <laughs> you know, you have no red idea what led to them being, you know, on the one yard line or whatever. And that kind of, that kind of takes all the fun out of it, I think. Yeah. You know, red zone is okay sometimes in the late window when there's only three or four games on because they can show you enough of each game that you do kind of get a feel for what's going on. But when it's a busy early window and there's like nine or 10 games. Oh, madness. I, you know, you know, I, I rather just choose three or four games to focus on, you know, that I'm most interested in and, and red zone to me, isn't um, all that useful. Uh, you know, for many years, people didn't realize that there were two red zones concurrently because direct tv had their own red zone channel the original and the better version and the nfl produced their own version of the red zone channel which is what most people got if you didn't have direct tv you'd get the nfl produced version of the red zone different host different setup everything and because people weren't like no one was aware of that like a lot of people weren't aware that there were two different red zones until last year when everybody found out that the direct tv red zone was going away when the Sunday ticket package went away and that the NFL red zone was taking over and going to be the one that everybody gets. And it was like so many people had no clue that like for 20 years, there were two different red zones. They only were aware of the one that they were receiving on their TV. So that was uh that was a weird oddity too. But uh, the, the Chris Hansen version is the one that, uh, or Scott Hansen, whatever say, the hell his name that's is. That's a weird red zone. That would be a that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? That one, yeah, it's that'd just, be tremendous. That a Chris be, Hansen red zone. Chris Hansen but, uh, red zone. Yikes. Yeah, the Andrew Siliano red zone, the the superior red zone, is the one that's going away. I, I DVR'd it last year, and I did, I did watch it for a little nostalgia. Maybe a tear ran down my eye. The uh, the final version of the real and original red zone. Um, still have it saved on the DVR, but, uh, yeah, everything changes. Nothing stays the same. And, uh, we get this inferior YouTube TV Sunday ticket starting this Sunday. There you go. Um, well, didn't, did not mean to break out into an impromptu, uh, NFL intelligentsia, but uh, if you do want to listen, uh, to Joe spend, what's the combined hours on your, on the two NBA, uh, NFL intelligentsias here. So I split the two NFL intelligentsia preview shows into AFC and NFC with the intent of uh, keeping both of them at a neat and tidy 60 minutes ah. because it's a lot to cover the entire league. So I figured, all right, so I'll do an NFC show with Tyler Fornes and I'll do an AFC show with Jesse Collings. We'll keep them both to a neat and tidy 60. The uh, NFC show went two hours and 30 minutes and the AFC show went three hours. Perfect. So uh, they're... <laughs> 
great. <laughs> they are both behind the paywall, uh, and you've got yourself, uh, what is that, five and a half hours? Yes, yeah, nearly six hours. Content. Nearly six hours of NFL preview content up uh, flagship patreon.com, uh, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling and voices of wrestling. Uh, dot com slash Patreon. Yeah, I, I can't believe you actually came to the table with ninety minutes on your mind. <laughs> you, you know you, you know you. That, yeah, that, that couldn't I, possibly happen. I was happen. like, you know what? We're we're gonna shoot for sixty and maybe maybe end up doing ninety. But uh, you're never gonna believe this, Rich. But um, we went off topic a few times hmm. on the shows and didn't hmm. didn't stay no. on track. You know that 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 tends to happen. Well, not but, not on um, this show. No, we we are only professional wrestling here on this show. Um, hundred percent pro wrestling. Clearly, from yeah, from clearly. yeah. <laughs> the the first twenty minutes of this show aside, we are always always a hundred percent into professional wrestling here on the flagship podcast. But and we're going to do that uh, today. We are going to talk about payback. Yes, Joe, the most recent WWE premium live event payback. Uh, we'll touch on that review the show. Uh, the latest on uh, CM Punk, the termination follow-up. We talked a lot about it on our Instant Reaction Live for uh, All Out on Sunday, but we have a little bit more news and details and reports and this sort of stuff about Punk and and what's kind of happened in the, in the days since and everybody losing their goddamn minds about it as well. So uh, we'll touch on that. Uh, Ace Steel, uh, also gone from AEW. We will quickly uh, uh, discuss that news from PWI Insider. Uh, the AEW collision number uh, that was not a good rating this week, and we'll, we'll uh, you know, something that we warned about, something that we knew was going to come, and it, it came, and it came swiftly, and uh, it's probably not going to go away. So we got to kind of get used to these uh, these numbers here. Uh, we'll talk about that number. Uh, UFC and WWE, the merger of Endeavor and WWE is coming very, very soon. In fact, it's coming next week. It's expected to close. Uh, on September 12th, so we'll uh, discuss a little bit about that, uh, what it means and, and and what it could possibly mean for, for WWE and, and just kind of the new uncharted territory that we're going here with WWE business now that they will be you know, merged with Endeavor and, and, and UFC and be TKO Group Holdings, TKO <laughs> Holdings. Uh, and uh, But uh, before we get to any of that stuff, though, we do need to talk about uh, the unfortunate news that uh, longtime pro wrestler and manager Adnan Alcasey. Uh, passed away on September 6th at the age of 84. So I know that we won't, uh, you know, it's probably not going to be as long as the Terry Funk uh, retrospective, but still, uh, Sheik Adnan Al-Casey led a, a a very, very long uh, and fruitful life in, in, in both, you know, life itself and pro wrestling as well, was around for, for many, many, many years. And uh, yeah, anything, uh, you know, any thoughts that you have initially when, when you heard the news and uh, anything about his career you wanted to uh, touch on here as we kind of, you know, quickly go through his career and his in his life. I think people will be surprised at uh, the life he lived. I think most yeah. people remember him as General Adnan during the ill-fated Sergeant Slaughter uh, Iraqi turncoat gimmick in, in 1990, 1991 WWF, where he managed Sergeant Slaughter as General Adnan and, of course, Iron Sheik as Colonel Mustafa. Uh, pretending this is just some new wrestler that no one is familiar with, uh, who uh, uh, Colonel Mustafa, despite the fact that it was very clearly <laughs> like, six years, prior too. like six years prior to like six years prior. It'd be like, you know, WWE bringing back. I'm trying to think of who left there like uh, uh, like six years ago, like go back to the roster six years ago and bring a guy back and just pretend that he was never there before. <laughs> not, obvious. Just, not just that. And also like a guy who was their with... champion. He was their champion six years ago. <laughs> not even setting all of that aside with that distinctive look. Who <laughs> right. Else it was also like the Iron Cheek. Cheek. Yeah, it was also the Iron uh, Cheek. They didn't even bother shaving the mustache. I mean, we did nothing to uh, <laughs> make this man, this Colonel Mustafa. 
I think he used the the fucking camel clutch. Of course he too, did. Yeah, of course he did. It was nothing. Um, he had the he had the shoe. It was everything. It was exactly Iron Sheik. They just called him Colonel Mustafa. Yeah. So uh, that's probably how most people remember him because uh, that was uh, you know, his most high profile national run and all those things. When I when I think of uh, Adnan Al Casey, I think of that run. I think of the mid to late seventies wwwf tag team championship run when he was uh chief billy white wolf or mm-hmm. indian billy white wolf he was billed as both tag team partner of chief jay strongbow and their various um should have looked at this up beforehand but i think they were two or three time wwwf uh tag team champions uh, actually, it looks like it was one time. I know time, one time so. for sure. I don't know about uh, – so, yeah, I know one time. So, you know, there's that run. And, of course, he worked as Billy White Wolf in a number of different places. He, uh, you know, Which, if was... you can't tell, is obviously a you know a Native American gimmick. Which is funny because he is literally born – you know, he's an Iraqi man. He was born in Iraq. We'll talk about his life here in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he broke into the industry as, you know, a fake – Native American, and that's what WWF, uh, WWF, I should say, used him as as well. Billy White Wolf teaming with Chief J Strongbow as, as the quote unquote the Indians. So <laughs> that's their their term, not mine. Uh, the Indians, uh, Billy White Wolf and, and Chief J Strongbow. Yeah, yeah, even, even Indian Billy White Wolf yeah. was how he was billed in some places too. Um, you know, but he he worked at he broke in. He did work as. Uh, as Adnan KC very early in his career in some places, but he was Billy White Wolf uh, in all the territories he bounced around to, whether it was Portland, uh, Hawaii, um, uh, uh, Barnett's WCW in Australia. You know, when he worked for Jim Barnett's uh, WCW promotion in Australia, he was uh, worked as Billy White Wolf. Uh, a lot of the territories of the day where 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 most guys would would bounce around before landing in the WWF in in the mid seventies, and then when the, the the third run I think that people that I think of anyway, uh, third major run is when he got to the AWA. In yeah, that, that's how I remember and, him the most, honestly. And and I know the general ad not thing was was a bigger deal. But I remember him distinctly in the AWA. I went back, you know, when the network first dropped, that was one of the first things I did is just watch as much AWA uh, as I possibly could. And, and that's the one that really stuck with me in, in, in his career. Because I think he, does, he at that time, I think he's doing a tremendous job as well. Yeah, that's the the Sheik Adnan Al Casey run, you know, where he dropped the Billy White Wolf gimmick. And, and you know, because at that time in the early 80s, Host, you know, Middle Eastern hostilities were heating up, so it was good heat to have. <laughs> See, for years and years and years, every territory had to have um, an Indian character, which you know now the accepted term is Native American. But back then, you know, even even the the real authentic Native Americans of the day, like Wahoo McDaniel, who was not a put on Native American, like he was a real Native American. Would call himself an Indian, right? You know, and, my, my dad's and, and almost one hundred percent, and he calls himself an Indian. I'm like, you don't have to say, that. yeah, you don't have to call yourself that. <laughs> well, they don't, you know, and, and that's he, what he says. Yeah, that's would, what they know. I mean, he grew up his entire life being called an Indian, and his family calling themselves Indians, and all that sort of stuff. It's just, it was, you know, the term. So you know, and and every territory, 
it was just a staple gimmick and they would wear the headdress and everything. And it just was different times. And, you know, younger people listening aren't going to understand right. that. The Briscoes were more than happy to call themselves Indians. You know what I mean? Which, which yeah, seems Briscoes insane. Cherokee, I think. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, uh, so I found out they're not, they're like another weird, they're, they're close enough to Cherokee. I think everybody kind of thought they were, I thought they were, but it turns out they're, they're something a little bit different, but yeah. And they, they would even feud with people and call them like stinky Indians. Like they'd be like, wahoo, you stinky Indian, like shit like that. Like, you know, it was just, that's how it was in those times, you know, and you're going to have younger people who are just totally like, oh, my God, well, you know, what the fuck? And but, you know, but every territory had someone doing that gimmick. And sometimes that like like Wahoo McDaniel, they, they they were legitimate Native Americans. And sometimes like in this case, you had an Iraqi guy, you know, <laughs> legitimately from Iraq. And, you know, the, in, in 1967, a high school classmate no of Saddam Hussein is is now. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to do with you? Uh, you know what? Why don't you be a Native American? Here you go. Here's the address. It's... Yeah, because in the 60s and early 70s, there was no money in having a Middle Eastern character. No, no. And the Nazi come... thing had had kind of run out. I mean, I say kind of because there was still had some Nazi characters. Still had yeah. Some Nazi yeah, characters, yeah. Still, but... still the last vestiges of Nazi characters still still prevalent by that point. But uh, yeah, by by the 70s. You kind of, you know, you had to figure out a new new slant, and and that was um, for a while was Native American. Which again, if you're super young and you're like, what Nazi characters? No, yes, absolutely. Like <laughs> right. Fritz like every von Erich, <laughs> Perrin von Reschke. Yes, like shit. Let's have Nazis for heat. You know, that's just the way it was, and it's it's. I know with the resurgence, you know, with Donald Trump and the resurgence of, uh, you know, uh, all the these these you know this Nazi shit. It's a whole different. Society is way different now, and you can never, ever, ever get away with having Nazi heels in pro wrestling, not in the current political climate. But, uh, you know, in the 50s and 60s, you know, 20 years after World War II, I mean, yeah, I mean, there weren't many territories where some Nazis didn't stroll through. It was of just, course. you know, great heat, easy heat. The... Here's a Nazi, boo. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. You know, yeah. complete with the swastikas yeah. and everything. Oh, yeah. And, and then the American just, guy would know. beat him, and everybody would go, yeah, America. And then they'd kick the Nazi right. out, and then he would go away. Or they would feud with the Indian. You know, it's just, <laughs> right. you know, it's a, um, but anyway, so the, here's an Iraqi guy who, as Rich noted, childhood friend and high school classmate legit yes of saddam hussein legit. so this guy knew saddam hussein uh was friends with saddam hussein became a legitimate amateur wrestler and came to the united states as a young man to wrestle in college and, and all of that he got a football scholarship too i actually found that out it was i i can't believe i don't know how he even Maybe it was based off his wrestling, and they thought, hey, this guy could maybe work in football, because I cannot imagine a whole lot of American football being played in Iraq in the 60s. Maybe I'm wrong, but he can't, it, it, I, it looked like he got a football scholarship from the University of Houston and then ended up going to Oklahoma State as, as a wrestler. So I it very bizarre. I was like, oh, my God, I, I don't know how he got a – it may have just simply been, hey, this guy's big and giant. Let's try him out in football. But wrestling was – you know, amateur wrestling was he ended up you know being his, his, his forte. Yeah, and then – you know, in, in some of his early years in wrestling, he would he would go back to Iraq and and bring pro wrestling to Iraq, and um, but that ended as Saddam Hussein began to gain power. Um, Adnan, you know, things started to get ugly over there and and a little fishy, and and he eventually yeah uh, he he started to yeah it's it I, from what i read it was like he wasn't quite sure where he stood anymore with saddam and wasn't quite sure what he was being used for 
and just said, you know what? I think I'm going to get out of here before something bad happens. And he was probably smart to do that. Yeah. And then he just permanently relocated to America and never looked back. Married married an American woman and, and got citizenship and just stayed there. Which, you know, later on when he was doing the gimmick in the WWF, you know, he was obviously very close personally to that because he knew the guy growing up. But um, so, yeah, he would do the Billy. He did the Billy White Wolf gimmick um, all over the world, really. Uh, And and I know I, I know today I found out he had a New Japan run where he was he kind of did he did the middle eastern gimmick there he called himself the sheik of sheiks of baghdad yes very wordy name but, <laughs> very uh, a lot of yeah, i noticed that i did i never knew that either i never knew that that he was yeah, the sheik of sheiks of uh, baghdad but yeah I, I discovered that this week yeah and then uh of course the the wwwf tag title run i talked about in the mid 70s where he teamed with chief j strongbow now chief j strongbow was kind of the he was the 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 house um, American Indian gimmick in that territory uh, for years and years and years, and he he wasn't a real Native American either. Chief J. Strongbow, his name was <laughs> I think Joe Scarpa. Yeah, and are you telling me? Are you telling me Joe Scarpa? <laughs> he, he was an is Italian it a Sioux guy. Indian? Just, yeah. <laughs> this man is not a Sioux Indian. He's he's Italian. Joe Scarpa is an Italian and not a, a, a Sioux. Okay, all right, I'll take so your I word guess for he it. Figured there's plenty of Italians in this territory and it's going to be easier for me to get over if I, yeah. if I take on and he was right. gimmick and he was right. And chief J strongbow was a mainstay there for years and years. He was really probably now he was an atrocious mind numbingly bad pro wrestler. Chief J strongbow is one of the worst pushed pro wrestlers you'll ever oh, yeah, see in your stinks. life. He's just beyond awful, beyond awful, but he was always, a pushed guy and he was really the gatekeeper for Bruno and later on the gatekeeper for, you know, the other babyface champions, whether it was Pedro Morales or Bob Backlund, but, but, but Bruno, you know, primarily where you would have the monster heel come in. They'd start off on the bottom of the card. They'd work their way up. They'd eventually beat chief J strongbow in Madison square garden or do an angle and, and beat up chief J strongbow or something. And then that would lead to their title program with Bruno. And then, you know, depending how long they felt someone could draw money with Bruno, maybe they, you know, do a DQ with Bruno. Maybe they do an angle with Bruno. Maybe they would just wrestle Bruno once and lose. And that would be that. But um, then they'd work their way back down the card and leave the territory. But chief J strongbow was often the gatekeeper for those heels that would eventually face Bruno. And then later some of the other baby face champions. But uh, he did form that tag team with Billy White Wolf in 1976, and they were always in the tag team title mix. They wrestled the Executioners a ton. The Masked Executioners, which were um, an aging an, an aging killer Kowalski and a young Big John Stud, who was under those masks as the Masked Executioners. And they were uh, tag team champions I, multiple times, I think. But uh, that was their primary feud. A lot of times they would team with Andre in six-man matches to face the Executioners and, you know, whatever heel they were going to team with, you know, whether it was Stan Hansen or um, I watched a match earlier today where they teamed with Bruiser Brody, who was who was in for a couple months. So um, that was their primary feud with the Executioners. And they never actually lost the tag team titles in the ring 
what they did was uh, Billy White Wolf, I guess he was finishing up and moving on to wherever he was moving on. And they were in a program with a heel, Ken Patera, and various partners. And what they did was they did an angle where Patera broke Billy White Wolf's neck with a uh, with the uh, swing neckbreaker. Yeah, swing neckbreaker, right? Yeah, like it, you know, it, it, the angle actually is on YouTube. So, you know, it's swinging neckbreaker, full Nelson, whatever you want to call it. And he, he, he doesn't let go of the hold. You know, it's very much a 70s angle. It's not like to, he didn't put him through four tables and beat him with a chair. No, he just put him in the full Nelson and held the hold. And, and they did the stretcher job. All the baby faces run in. Patero lets go. And Billy White Wolf sells it. He just does, he just he's dead. He doesn't move a muscle. And they put him on the stretcher and get him out of there. And you never see him again. He's just gone. <laughs> like that, like that's how they wrote, that's how they got the tag team titles off of them. So they had to vacate the tag team titles. And he just, I think, left the territory and didn't come back until the 90s. So um, you know, it, it, and it's ironic because they did that angle with Ken Patera, but uh they would they would reunite in the AWA a couple yes, years they later. Would. So anyway, he bounces back around the territories. You know, he worked Hawaii a lot and places like that. And then in 81, he pops up in the AWA as Sheik Adnan Al-KC. And he came in and with the objective of going after world champion Nick Bockwinkle. And if you look at there's a, what they would do, and I remember these matches, and they're wretched. I don't recommend them, but uh, except for historical purposes. Yeah, he's not a great wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> he's just no, he he's... Was, and, and here's the thing: he was never a great wrestler. No, <laughs> like that's this was not a guy who, you know, even though he was a, he was considered a good amateur, he was never a good worker in you know professional wrestling, even when he was younger. Like they, they, like those those tag team matches with Strongbow are not good, um, and this stuff here. It's probably some of Bachwinkle's, you know, least impressive matches. He comes in the feud with Bachwinkle, and it's weird because a lot of it is heel versus heel stuff. You know, Bachwinkle's still managed by Bobby Heenan at this time. And I remember a few years ago, I watched some of this, and I'm sure some of it's still around. He would have these matches with Bachwinkle, and depending on what city they were in, they would have a special guest referee. So let's say they were in um, Canada the special referee might be Mad Dog Vachon. If they were in Minnesota, the referee might be Baron Von Raschke. Like it just, so what they would do is they'd have, it'd be a heel versus heel match with a babyface special referee, okay? And the finishes were almost always the same. What they would do is, you know, they brawl for seven or eight minutes and then um, Adnan would, the special referee Heenan would throw a chair into the ring. Something would happen with the ref. Heenan would throw a chair into the ring. The ref would eventually get a hold of the chair, swing at Bachwinkle, who would duck, and it would knock out Adnan, right? And then Bachwinkle would cover Adnan, and the, and the babyface ref would, like, shrug his shoulders and go, oh, I guess I have to count, right? And Bachwinkle would win the match. Then Adnan would would come to and attack the referee whoever it would be in that town right 
And then that would set up a match between Adnan and either Vashan or Rashki or one of these guys in the town the next month. You see what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So, and they would do that all over the loop. Like that would be the match. It'd be, it, it, that'd be, you know, Bachwinkle would beat them. They would do the same finish just with a different referee. And then it would set up a rematch where Adnan would then face the babyface ref the next month in that town or whatever. And the matches are all hideous. I mean, they're awful matches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the Bachwinkle matches and then the rematches too are all pretty terrible. But then, um, you know, around that time, he was born in 1939. So he's into his 40s at this point. He's 41, 42, 43 years old during this era. And, you know, he, he Crusher uh, Jerry Blackwell turns heel. And he's, he's, he's teaming with and, and sort of managing Jerry Blackwell, who has taken on a chic persona himself. Yes, he was right? the uh, chic so, Ayatollah, Jerry Blackwell. <laughs> so. Yes. So, so now he's doing like the tag team thing with Jerry Blackwell and they're going after the tag team titles, you know, the high flyers, whatever baby faces were holding the titles at that time. But, uh, but Adnan's getting older and he doesn't want to wrestle as much and, and, and not take as many bumps. So what they do is they have Ken Patera join the group who also is rechristened as a Sheik. So, um, you have Sheik Adnan Al KC managing, uh, Jerry Blackwell and Ken Patera as the Sheiks, and which is preposterous. You have these; everybody knows Jerry Blackwell. And <laughs> Jerry Patera Blackwell looks so ridiculous with it. I, Patera looks pretty terrible too. But Blackwell, this you know fat bearded white man with the Sheik hat, it's just yeah, yeah. You got Patera with his bleach blonde hair and doing <laughs> it's, a Sheik it's gimmick. Absurd, yeah, it's absurd. Everyone knows he was an Olympic lifter, but he's now he's a Sheik. You know, it's uh, it's absurd. So. So that was kind of it for him is like he wrestled plenty. It's not like he stopped wrestling, but he was more a manager who his secondary deal was, you know, a wrestler. But, um, you know, he still wrestled a ton. And the idea was to get out of the ring. That didn't really work out that way. But uh, but, you know, the Sheiks had various AWA tag team title runs and and and, and the AWA business was still pretty strong at that time. You know, the AWA business didn't start going downhill. I don't know until eighty five, eighty six. Yeah, I was gonna really say. Plummeted. Yeah, eighty four is is when you start seeing some dents, and then yeah, eighty five, eighty six is when it really just starts to crater. Yeah, and and you know they're still somewhat sustainable, and then by eighty seven, you can forget it. it. It's just a straight drop. But he he stuck with the AWA basically through the the through their death. You know, he was a constant there, and with each year, he was doing less and less actual wrestling and you know more and more managing but um you know he even on one of the super clashes i think i'm trying to find it i think on one of the super clashes he even managed iron chic uh yes i I just saw that one not that long ago i forget which one but yes i think three maybe one of his firings from yeah well it's somewhere around Uh, there i think three or or, yeah it's either two or three i forget which one but yeah, those shows those. stink too. <laughs> those, those are so bad. They're not great. They're not great. Um, yeah, and then the AWA folds, and McMahon decides that it would be really good heat to do Sergeant Slaughter as an Iraqi sympathizer, and and he thinks he could fill up the LA Coliseum with uh, with the Iraqi in the, in the middle of the Gulf War 
with the Iraqi sympathizing Sergeant Slaughter with his Iraqi manager, his shoots Iraqi manager, General Adnan, and uh, Colonel Mustafa, and uh, built to a Hulk Hogan match in the Coliseum, and we all know how that went. People rejected it. Jo- and- no, jo- no, no, no. It was security threats. Uh, yes, yes. So they there just was decided- so much heat. That security <laughs> yeah, there were security threats. So they decided to uh, move it to the LA Sports Arena right when they sold about 14,000 tickets. And said, you know what? I think we are good. We're going to go, uh, due to security purposes, move the event to the LA Sports Arena and not sell any more tickets to the show. So there you go. Yeah. And then shortly after that, um, didn't work out. Slaughter eventually, you know, I want my country back. Right, right. Well, um, yeah. And then the other part, too, is like they they get all ready for Sergeant Slaughter to be this Iraqi sympathizer. And then, you know, as 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 you as we know, and as people that live through it know that uh, that war did not end up lasting uh, quite as long as maybe everybody thought it would. And they kind of went in and they finished it, quote unquote, finished it. I'm using the biggest air quotes you can ever use. But um for the time it was like it ended by like early 91 and then it was like oh well now what the hell do we do and they basically tried for two or three more months to get more heat and more heat and it was just a it was already being rejected and b the war was over for all intents and purposes so it was like yeah they, they were really spinning their wheels and the yeah, like you said slaughter wanted his country back got his country back he went back baby face but then <laughs> they kept colonel mustafa and they kept on with colonel mustafa yeah yeah they uh Adnan and Mustafa, yeah, well, they had a short feud with Slaughter, and you know he, you know he would he he would he beat Mustafa on the house shows. He beat them in handicap matches on the house shows. So uh, they did stick around a while. You know he did. Adnan did a torch talk with Wade Keller in, um, nineteen ninety three, and. It, it it wasn't super insightful, but I, I and I haven't here. I'll just I'll read through it. Let's see what he had to say about it as someone who was an actual Iraqi who knew Saddam Hussein. Do you have the paper copy here? So, Is that what I just heard you do? Yeah. Look at that. Look at that research. There you go. Um. So uh, Keller says, what prompted you to go to the WWF Adnan? They promised me good money because of the war situation. And me being from Baghdad and all that. So I did it for a year and a half, and the money was good. (laughs) Asked and answered. There you go. That is an answer. That is a a pro. That's a wrestler answer, too. They paid me. That's a wrestler answer. I got paid. (laughs) And you could see, you'll see how Keller is trying to make it like, you'll see with the line of questioning where he wants the direction he's trying to go. Keller, you must be aware of the controversy that came out of that angle in the media and with the fan backlash. Do you agree the angle was in poor taste? Adnan. Yeah, there was a lot of heat. It was in poor taste, but the promoter wants to take advantage of it and make money. Sarge and I were the hottest thing to ever hit the WWF for a while. So you see, it's the wrestler mindset. He he don't care. He's like, the promoter wants to make money, and we're making money. And he also has the delusion of a wrestler where he he claims that they were the hottest thing in the WWF for yeah, a while, which, right, right, which right. obviously was never true. Um, Keller, do you regret participating in the angle? Adnan, I will do anything the first time, but I do not care to do it again. Keller, do you think McMahon felt bad that parents whose kids were dying or risking their lives overseas saw those efforts exploited by the WWF? Adnan, hey. 
Vince wouldn't have cared if Mir Sarge got shot with a machine gun. He would have been happy. My God. Keller. I don't know if he'd be happy, but I guess that's good heat, I suppose. Do you think it was ethically questionable when McMahon first proposed the idea to you, or was it the actual execution of the angle that you objected to? You know, this is me now. I don't know that he necessarily objects to it based on his answers. <laughs> no. <laughs> Keller's trying to push an agenda here, you know, and, and Adnan. Just Sheik's like the cash, short... the checks cash, pal. I don't give a fuck, man, brother. I don't give a shit because <laughs> he thinks this Iraqi man is upset that he was forced to play in Iraqi yes. during the war and go against you know his old friend or whatever. But Sheik's been in America for upset. too long and he's a pro wrestler, so he's like, I don't fucking care. I got paid. <laughs> like, so here's his answer to that one. Well, I never thought the war was going to go on. I never thought they were going to go to war. Keller, if you knew the war was inevitable, would you have probably refused to participate <laughs> in the angle? Keller, something just else. Say just, just say you hate it. Just say you hate it. You felt exploited. Please, just come on. So Ad- Adnan's answer to that one is, yeah, sure. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. That's well, that's the interview <laughs> over. Yeah, we're done now. <laughs> yeah, sure. Keller. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Keller, did you ever think of pulling out of the angle? Adnan, no. <laughs> no period. N O period. Yes. yes. Keller. He's like, brother, you're fucking with my money, man. Come on. <laughs> Did Slaughter ever show regret behind the scenes for what he was doing? Adnan. He did later on, but not during. Period. Keller. <laughs> you can you can sense that Adnan's getting frustrated yeah, right, with right, this line right. of questioning. He's like, dude, I'm making money. I don't, I don't know, I don't care. Um, Keller was that probably the time in your career where you most feared for your safety Adnan yeah I wore a bulletproof vest we had a lot of guards so there were no problems outside the ring I had to change my looks Keller what was the worst part of being involved in wrestling Adnan the injuries period (laughs) the injuries Keller, whom, through all of your travels, do you admire most? Adnan, Ivan Koloff, he's a good person, period. Keller, thank you for your time. Adnan, you're welcome, period. <laughs> Left and gone. Or, probably, probably the phone hung up. Phone hung up immediately right after that, right? You can tell. Now, there's more to it because I, I jumped in at the WWF Iraqi part. Um, but there's not much more to it. It's all very short answers, and they get real short when Keller starts pestering him about the Iraqi angle. Um, so Keller wrote a little summary of his experience with, uh, with, with Adnan here, and he says, and I quote, Most Torch Talk subjects are familiar with the Torch. Read it regularly. Know the tone of the questions that are going to be asked, and know that elaborate answers are encouraged. Adnan was a nice enough guy, but he didn't seem entirely familiar with the format and kept his answers guarded and short. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. A lot of them were like two-word <laughs> no, answers. And oh, I would say that is guarded and short, yeah. Nevertheless, there were a few gems of insight during the short interview, including him admitting he knew how much he feared for his safety while he played an Iraqi sympathizer during the Gulf War. He also said he went into the angle not thinking the U.S. would actually go to war with Iraq. Like many former WWE wrestlers, 
He had negative things to say about Vince McMahon, seemingly inspired by the fact that the WWF was unable to offer him a lifetime employment. Today, Adnan is wrestling independently in the Minnesota area. He owned a grocery store in Minneapolis, but that store has since closed. So uh, I I remembered this interview being tense and uncomfortable, but it was even more tense and uncomfortable than I remembered now that I'm reading it back here uh, on the air. But um, yeah, you could see that for the most part, while that's true and he's not making that up, you know, there, there were a, there were threats of slaughter, slaughter's life and Adnan's life during the angle. Slaughter has talked about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's yeah, been yeah. on that's been on the record for a while. But and, and you, you know, he's noting that he had to wear a bulletproof vest and all that. But you can see kind of the mindset there where Keller is aghast that they would do this angle. Keller is disgusted. He can't believe that this was a thing. And he he's he's got he's kind of poking Adnan to like well you you know it's almost like he can't believe that Adnan isn't that pressed by right, right. I, I can't believe you would take this money to do this. Don't you feel regret? Don't you feel like you were being exploited or whatever? But like and I think Slaughter said this too, and I'm I'm sure Sheik said it too. Like, what the hell? We weren't doing anything. And Vince said, "Hi, I want all three of you to be in my, the main event of WrestleMania." Why the fuck would they say no? As yeah. quote unquote exploitative as it was, but I to them it wasn't. To them, they came up in a wrestling business that this wasn't exploitative. Like you said, this would have occurred in any other year. It just uh, it, it definitely shows you the changing of the guard that was occurring even by that point, even by 1991, 90, you know, 1990, 91, 92 in that era where we're, we're, society is changing a little bit where now this becomes a thing that's like, oh my God, I can't believe you'd exploit this where, yeah, they would of course exploit this in every other decade in any other history of pro re- professional wrestling. And these guys came up in that industry. So to him, he's like, I don't care. I played a fucking American Indian for years. Like I don't give a shit. I got I got paid, and I'm from Iraq. It doesn't bother me that much. So I, it, it's it's crazy yeah, it's, though because yeah, you could not do that today. You know what I mean? Like Wade 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 would be the one the the very rational one in in, in this case in 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 2023. Yeah. But at this time, he comes across as like he's still being rational, but it's also like I don't know, man. Like you could see why. Adnan on his no, side is just like I don't care. I got paid, man. I just I wasn't doing anything. Wade is he's, he, Wade is looking for some juice there, right? And he, it's almost like he's trying to massage an interesting answer out of him. He's he's looking for a specific answer that unfortunately he's never going to get. When he first asks him about the angle, Adnan's answer is more wordy. He's like, "Oh yeah, we paid good money. We were hot, you know that sort of thing." And then Wade just keeps going down that road because he's trying to get that angst out of this man. The problem is it does, it's not there. And Adnan's getting, you could tell, increasingly frustrated with the line of questioning because, and and then Wade realizes it's okay, this is a dead end. I'm not going to get what I want out of this. And he shifts it to, you know, the end of his career, what he thinks of pro wrestling and all that. And then, and then it's so uncomfortable that the interview just ends. So, but, you know, those early torch talks with Keller are all very interesting in that regard because he's right. Because when he would sit down with people like Paul Heyman or Jerry Lawler or um, or Mick Foley or, you know, um, Eddie Gilbert is another good example. Uh, Jim Cornette. You know, when he would interview people like that, they knew the deal. Right. They knew what the torch was. They knew what the the tone of these things were. 
they knew that Wade was someone who understood the inner workings of the business. They could speak freely. Of course, they're wrestlers. They're always going to work to a point. They know what they're putting out there, but you get the idea. But occasionally he would run into interview subjects like this, especially a guy like this that was born in 1939 and his whole life was protecting kayfabe and protecting the business. And he would get these shorter, more short, you know, curt answers. And if he went places that these guys weren't comfortable, they would totally close off on him, you know, and, and, uh, and that's why, you know, some of these interviews, when you read them back some 30 years later are very interesting because it was, we were still kind of in the late eighties, early nineties, when a lot of these guys weren't so comfortable with, you know, the dirt sheet writers and people like Wade Keller and Dave Meltzer. Um, and, and other wrestlers were smart, like the Eddie Gilberts and, and, the, and the Paul Heyman's and um, Shane Douglas and people like that. They knew to use things like Wade Keller's torch talks to their advantage because they could spread their narrative. They could, uh, they, they could use it as a, you read, you read back those Heyman interviews and it's like Heyman is slyly doing PR for whatever it is that he's got going on at that time. You know, Heyman learned very early on and he learned it from Eddie Gilbert to, to use the sheets to your advantage. You know, that everything can be a tool to get yourself over and to get whatever it is that you're involved in over where, you know, someone like Adnan who obviously doesn't share the same ethics or moral codes that Wade Keller, you know, that's a guy who strictly sees pro wrestling as a dollar and cents business. And Wade Keller is someone who was like morally aghast at this angle. So that was just never going to, that, that was never going to work. And the interview ended up being a disaster, but um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting and worthy of bringing up. But uh, that's pretty much his career at that point. I mean, he's done after that, uh, that, that angle runs its course. That's it for him in Major League Pro Wrestling. And you know, he lived to be, what, 82 or 83 uh, Hold on old. a minute. He popped up in the American Wrestling Federation, sir. Oh, I, I, listen, this is, I have to clear the floor. This is all you I'm now. watching it right now, yes, uh, on, on our Patreon. I am currently going through each and every episode of uh, Paul Alperstein's American Wrestling Federation, Warriors of Wrestling. Uh, very failed, failed, <laughs> very failed attempt at uh, a, a national television product uh, in 1994. And, and Sheik Adnan El Casey is all over these shows he's the top heel manager of all these and we talk about him a lot i just released an episode talking about how bad he was the day he died i did not mean to do that it was scheduled for release i released it and then i found out that he died a a couple minutes after but it's nothing bad i'm just kind of like i'm just aghast that you know in 1994 we're still doing the chic character and he's the same he's just like he's just doing that and you're like oh my god this is 1994 we're still doing this like this is really the character we're doing and yeah we were we were and it wasn't good you know obviously it's it's terrible and it makes for just awful television especially uh in 1994 but uh yeah he uh you know he he managed mr hughes he's gonna manage a bunch of other guys in the awf as well no no spoilers but at one point he's gonna manage bob orton jr as well i think manny fernandez and hercules are all going to be part of his quote-unquote rat pack, I believe he calls that at some point. So uh, that is in the American Wrestling Federation. Yes, we are doing that right now on our Patreon. So uh, plenty of Sheik Adnan LKC for us, uh, for those listening to Freedom of Choice uh, over there on our Patreon, flagshippatreon.com.
by the way. So, uh, yeah, there's that. It's 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 weird and not that good and kind of outdated by 1994. It was outdated in 1990. It was very outdated in 1994. And then, uh, yeah, obviously, I don't know what he did in his final couple of years, you know, post AWF. But I know that he kind of left the game in late 90s. Like you said, I, I forget the exact time. No, no wrestler ever truly retires. But I want to say late 90s is when he really stopped, you know, being a part of it from day to day. You know, he was a fake American Indian for all those years who then became a, a legitimate, real Iraqi sheik who was really an Iraqi. And it's funny because at the same time that he was really, um, that his career was was peaking as sheik Adnan al-KC, the other heel Middle Eastern manager in wrestling at the same time was General Skandar Akbar who absolutely was not a real legitimate Middle Eastern <laughs> What? Man. I mean, he would, this is a guy who, you know, world-class yeah, and then Texas later on. And, so, are you telling yeah. me that with the Texas accent? Is it actually from Iraq? Guy's supposed to be like this, <laughs> this uh, Middle Eastern sheik, and he's just out there talking with a Texas draw. Like, he didn't even try. <laughs> he didn't try at know? all. Yeah. He didn't try at all. And, and he was the other one, and they would get, they'd get confused for each other a lot. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Gimmicks were so similar. You know, the gimmicks were similar and, um, you know, they kind of looked alike, I guess, if you squinted real hard. So and and they were, you know, and again, that's because in the 80s, with all of the hostility in the Middle East, you know, you, you had to have yourself some a heel doing that gimmick in, in all these places. And, and there were a lot of other lower level knockoffs of that kind of, of gimmick. But those were the two most predominant ones and, 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 and the ones that, that people obviously are going to remember the most, um, you know, cause Skandar Akbar was, was with world-class when they were red hot, when they were molten hot and, and, um, she got not out KC was with the AWA in the early eighties when they were hot. So, uh, they were both in territories when the territories were doing well and they were both, uh, the lead heels and the, you know, once, once Bobby Heenan goes, you know, he's really the lead heel and the lead heel manager in, in the territory with the, uh, with the AWA and Heenan is gone by 84. So, you know, and, 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 uh, Akbar of course, in world-class was, you know, one of the foils to, to the Von Ericks and all that. And then he, then he went and worked for Bill Watts later on during the dying days of mid South, you know, the UWF days, 86, mm-hmm, 87, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, cause Watts was losing every Watts lost, Jim Duggan, Ted DiBiase, one man gang, you know, junkyard dog a couple of years before that. Um, you know, he lost all these guys one by one to Vince. Like if you watch 86 and 87 UWF, you know, there's guys getting pushed on TV one week and then they're just gone. <laughs> they just disappear. <laughs> they're just yeah. not there anymore. And they're they're you know, McMahon signs them away. He's just running out of people. And Eventually, Watts brings in a lot of that Texas crew. He brings in Skandar Akbar as his, as his heel manager. He brings in uh, Chris Adams and and uh, um, Iceman Parsons comes in. You know, so he's Watts is digging deep and he's he's trying because by then world class was cooling off too. You know, so those Texas guys were looking for a place to make better money. You know, by by the late eighties, and Watts had the spots open because he was losing all of his top guys to McMahon. So, uh, so Akbar kind of gets another run as a top heel manager in a different territory when he, when he, when he works Watts during the dying days. But, um, you know, it, it's, 
as those political tensions kind of fizzled off, those kind of gimmicks kind of just went away. You know, I, I, I it, it, it's and, yeah, and yeah. Unlike the, the Nazis, pro- they did not last forty years after the World War II had ended. They they just they fizzled out pretty quickly after. And the culture has changed too. Where sure. it's not you know it's with it's that kind said, of, you know WWF tried Muhammad Hassan, and you know they, it, yeah, it's not like yeah. you know WWF did try that you know in in, in the wake of nine eleven or whatever. But uh, for the and, most uh, look part, how poorly yes. it went because yeah, they, they well. tried that. They tried the angle with the garrote wires, which simulated beheadings, and it they ended up not airing it because what year was that? Like two thousand six. That was no, because they had the London bombings had happened just a couple days prior to that too. So they did the garrote wire thing, and then they did uh, two thousand five. I want to say was the London bombings. I, I want to say, but uh, mid two thousands is the somewhere point. in that range. Yes, because you know if this if that had been nineteen eighty three, they would have just went forward with it anyway. You know what I mean? Like, but even even 20 years ago, you know, the culture had changed to the point where, you know, doing doing those kind of angles and going too far with it had just become no bueno. You know, so, you know, we're a couple decades into it now where, you know, if if, if people think pro wrestling is crass and and low class now, <laughs> I mean. Right. There, there, there would be a Russian wrestler. And, uh, there'd be a Ukrainian wrestler. There'd be. A, yeah, it, it's. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, so, you know, fi- fire up your YouTube and your Peacock and behold what, what it used to be. Like. Right, you're in your match uh, of the week this week with uh, Jerry Lawler and, 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 and Terry Funk and, and Sweet Brown Sugar, by the way, which is the man's name, yeah. the future Coco Beware, was called Sweet Brown Sugar at that time. Um, yeah. Jerry Lawler Baby gets himself canceled too. in like 0. .2 seconds with a, a word that, you know, again, People don't use it anymore, but uh, 1983 or whatever, 82, very well used and very, you know, normally used and and laughed about and just kind of chuckled. But, uh, yeah, could not uh, – can't make that promo uh, in, in 2023. So, yeah, things have changed Well, a you lot. know, that word was the medical term then. Yeah, right. But right. – and, and, and the reason – and we're talking about – I'm not going to say it. I don't even know – I don't know what you're allowed to say and not say. The R word for people who are – uh i don't know mentally yeah mentally disabled yes so so but back in the 70s and 80s like sometimes on youtube i'll watch don't ask me why it's it's comforting what i'll do is i'll watch old news broadcasts from like you know the new york city uh uh, networks you know the local news broadcast from like 1983 just because it's interesting to me and it's i'll put it on as background noise tell you something that word was commonly thrown around like on yeah. the news. I know, yeah. You know, like, oh, a, a blank girl was found on the street last night and reunited with her parents. Like, that, that is just the word that people – so what happened was people would use that word to make fun of people. And then that's why the word became a word you can't say anymore because it, it, it turned into a word you can't use anymore because it was used in a negative connotation towards people. So, you know, Lawler just – you know, he says it immediately like Rich is saying – and uh, it, 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 it it you're kind of like whoa, like whoa, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. But then you remember it's 1982, and everybody was was saying, you know that that one didn't really go away till like 10 years ago, like wholesale. Like, right. You know now now it's just all now it's a full on slur. You can't say it. That really wasn't the case until like 10 years ago. But even though that's the case, you 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 watch that match and you hear Lawler say it, and you're like, wow, I can't believe he just said that. But they're like, oh yeah, well wait a minute, of course he did. It's 1982. You know, so, um, yeah, the point here is, you know, gimmicks like this, if you're going to do them, 
you have to be way more discerning now, and it probably just isn't a good It's idea, not worth period. it. It's probably it's, not worth it. Yeah, we, we did not see one guy come out and do a Vladimir Putin is good, and, and everybody go, boo, and he goes, oh, he's a great man, <laughs> boo, you know, as he's bombing Ukraine. Like, that would have happened in any other era. We did not get that uh, yeah. uh, in this era, so... Yeah, legit Layla Hirsch, as, as Z points out in the note of the chat room, did not come out and go, Vladimir Putin, number one. <laughs> to a That's course a perfect of, example. To she, a course of booze, yeah. Yeah, she'd be a, she'd be a Putin a sympathizer. Like right. That, they, they would definitely have those now, you know. But uh, She'd wave the Russian flag, come out to the Russian national anthem, cut promos about how much she loves Putin and whatever, and that would be, you know, and then she'd get booze, and then, you know, the, the local American baby face would come out and, Say so that Putin guy sucks, and everybody goes, "Yeah." And then he, yeah. she'd win, and then she, it would be good, and America won. So yeah, that's she'd be Layla Putin. They, they right, right, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. She, yeah she, I'm, I'm a daughter of Vladimir Putin, <laughs> my great father. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what would have <laughs> Absolutely. happened. Absolutely, yeah. Sounds like good money, actually. It's yeah, not going on in Ring of Honor anyway. You know what I mean? Why not? Right? Do it. No one will notice. That's right. No one's gonna notice. She might be doing it now, for all I know. Hell, I don't know. Is she? Yeah, we sure that's not real. I guess I don't know. I suppose I don't know now. But uh, yeah, there you go. So that is uh, wow. So we did not do two hours like we did Terry Funk. We did an hour on Sheik Adnan Elkasi. I bet nobody expected that. But there you go, an hour on one Sheik Adnan Elkasi passed away uh, at the age of eighty-four. All right, so let's get to um, now. Let's. Let's talk about this WWE show, right? May as well. You don't sound too excited. The sooner we talk about it, the sooner we can move on. So, let's let's talk about Payback, Joe. It was fast. I thought it was fast. It was not fast lane. It was Payback. You watched the whole show. I've been calling it. (laughs) I've been calling it fast lane all. No, it was sure it wasn't fast lane. I'm positive it was Payback. All right, payback. I guess we're doing because payback. the opening promo was like "doon doon doon," like people are going for payback, and it's just like you know, a bunch of promos about each other. Oh, it's like "doon doon doon doon," you know. Tonight is all about payback. <laughs> it's like "doon doon doon." You know, you know, payback <laughs> reminds me of the actor Vic Tayback from uh, Vic Tayback. Remember Vic Tayback from? I don't uh, really. From the from the sitcom Alice, he was the surly <laughs> uh, short order cook. I don't think no? I've watched Alice. You ever watch Alice? No, I don't think I ever he, did. He was, you know, Mel's Diner. A lot of people think that show is called Mel's Diner, but it's actually called Alice. Okay. But, you know, all the scenes took place because Alice worked at Mel's Diner. And a lot of people think the name of the show was Mel's Diner, but it wasn't. The name of the show was Alice. Got it. Um, And, and Vic Tabak played Mel, the owner of Mel's Diner, and he was the uh, surly owner of this little diner in the short order cook and he had his little quips and it is a uh, legendary uh television character the uh the the, the vic tayback as mel you never saw alice huh i don't think i ever saw alice now that i think about it yeah right. I'm, I'm looking at screenshots of it i, I don't think i ever watched alice yeah I, I... kiss my grits <laughs> now i know the term i i didn't know is that what the term that's from? where it comes from oh interesting so okay all right it was uh i think polly holiday who played uh she played Flo in Alice. She was the sassy waitress. She'd always okay. be chomping on gum, you know. She'd be she'd be chomping on the gum with the backwards fist on her hip, not taking any gum. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and uh, and 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 her her big catchphrase because you always had to have a catchphrase on these like '80s sitcoms. It was "Kiss my grits," you know. 
<laughs> then, uh, <laughs> the laugh track goes nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so she, you know, she would always butt heads with Mel, as you would imagine, right? So you know, she'd tell him to kiss her grits, and uh, Alice was the protagonist, single mom. You know, because late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, just trying to make it in this world. Just trying to make it in this right. new world. It, the shows start to become progressive these sitcoms you know and uh, you know and then you know the theme song there's a new girl in town you know because she's moving from where she got her fucking kid or teenage boy with her who gives her who's a pain in the ass and you know she gets the job at the diner with flo and mel and uh i can't think of the the other waitress is like a meek shy uh because they all had to have a gimmick you know every character you know i, I oh vera vera was her name uh, the, the third waitress, and it was Linda Lavin that played Alice. You know, she was a big actress at the time. But uh, uh, now everybody's getting the history of the Alice sitcom. How about that? <laughs> that they all you came for. Yeah. Here's the thing. You know that we, we we don't have a lot of topics because I'm breaking down Alice for you. And I'm not and, stopping and, you. And, and I'm not saying, Joe, we got to get to this topic. I'm, I'm right. letting you go. I'm, I'm interested in this Alice thing. Should I watch Alice? Should I, should I throw on an Alice on the old TV tonight? You should. I think you should check out a couple episodes of Alice. It's. 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 I'm sure a lot of it. You might get some R words, but, but I don't know. If <laughs> right, 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 right. But, but uh, you know, it's. Uh, you know, it was a good, good sitcom for the time. Progressive for the time. Yeah. Oh, uh, and I and I I have uh, I have I I miss the old diner. I mean, they're, they're you're down to like a meager amount of those old diners, and, and I still grew up on those with the sassy waitress pouring your coffee. Smells like cigarettes. Like th- those are gone, man. Those are never coming back either. Once the last one closes, no, it's no, over. No. It's over. Yeah, that's we, the kind of place that it was. Mel's Diner. Right, right. We Mel's got one in my exactly. town. There's one in the town that I was living in before that is good, but it's 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 hanging on by a thread, man. It's hanging on by a thread. All of them are, and it's like once those go, man, it's done. It's over. Never yeah. getting another one of those again. I could see that Frank Kirshner in the chat is familiar with the theme song because he he he's, he's singing it. He okay. typed out the next line of of the theme song there. Frank Kirshner. That sounds like a that 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 sounds like a fake name. Frank Kirshner. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like uh, who's the guy from Talladega Nights? Uh, Ricky the, Bobby. Uh, Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Will Ferrell. It, it's that sounds like a Will Ferrell character, Frank, <laughs> Frank Kirshner, Kirshner. <laughs> right? It'd be like a Will Ferrell character or something in in uh, in, in some movie where, uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's either going to prison with what's the one where he goes to prison with, uh, with uh, Kevin with, Hart? With, Isn't it called Get Hard? Is it called Get Hard? I, that's Get what I'm, hard. I, that my ma- my head went to that. I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah, it, it, is, it, called is. Get it is. It is Get yes. Hard. Yeah, that's the that's the one. He would be Frank Kirshner in that movie. <laughs> You know, that's that would be the character's name. Um, you know, Alice, you know, they gave Flo a spinoff because, of course, they. Did. Oh, God, because, you know, spinoffs. Yeah, that. always, always worked out well. You can't give the one note character a spinoff. <laughs> they did all you know the time. I mean? They always did. Though. And they, they constantly try it. And it's, uh, you know, like it, it just doesn't it doesn't work out. So I don't think Flo was a uh, it was called Flo. And I don't think it was a big hit. In fact, it's telling me. Let's see how many episodes Flo had in 1980. Uh, here's the description: The feisty waitress opens a diner in, oh. in her hometown of Cowtown, Texas. Oh yeah, you know me? that sucked. <laughs> Cowtown, they, Texas. They, <laughs> they called it Cowtown, Texas. Um, wow, two seasons, 29 episodes. That's a lot longer than I would have guessed. So. I guess Flo wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah, there you go. Give 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 a little credit to Flo. I wonder if I can find an episode of Flo. 
on uh, yeah what's where, where's flow streaming <laughs> it's got to be on it's like on zumo or one of those dumb ones you know it's definitely on one of those 29 episodes you think there's enough there <sighs> they should just stick it on the alice channel on on that thing you know no one would know the difference. no well, no yeah it, it appears that uh well that, that's available to buy on uh on amazon i don't know if you want to buy episodes of flow you're just trying to trying to well let let's i know vic tayback is dead i know linda lavin is dead let's see if everyone on alice is dead let's let's do that actually <laughs> linda lavin's alive there you go years old apologies to linda lavin yeah i i didn't realize she was still kicking beth halland who played vera is in fact dead uh Flo is 86 years old she's still alive yeah, too. good for Flo. Maybe we could do a. They could book an Alice reunion show. With, uh, <laughs> got enough of them. With Alice and Flo, you got half the cast. I'm sure the kid is still alive. Let's see. Philip McKeon played Tommy. No, he's dead. Died in 2019. The kid's dead. No Tommy. The kid's dead. Oh man. The kid's dead. He died at the age of uh, 55. Man. All right. I canceled the Alice reunion show. Shit. Yeah, if you don't have the kid, forget it. Nah, you only have the kid. You only get the teen kid. I wonder if it was uh, drug-related. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> McKeon died in Texas on December 10th, 2019. After a long illness, he was 55. All right, we don't have a lot of details. All right. Oh, his sister was Nancy McKeon. That's a nice little trivia. <laughs> I, didn't, I had no idea if they were related. Nancy McKeon, of course, from uh, Facts of Life. Want to break down facts of life now? Uh, fuck yeah, it's better than payback for sure. Let's do it. Talk about Tootie and, uh, and facts. Uh, isn't it? Isn't it facts of life one of those shows that like there's like 17 actors and actresses that you've you know ended up becoming huge stars that ended up having like quick little runs well, on that Kim show? Fields, like obviously Kim yeah. Fields and wasn't Clooney? It was Clooney was on there too, right? Clooney. Clooney was like a. Uh, he he came in one of the later seasons as like a maintenance man or some shit like that. So yeah, he was on that show. Um, none of the other, you know, a lot of the girls that were on it hung around for a couple years, but then kind of dropped out of the, you know, Molly Ringwald. Was yeah, on Facts oh, yeah, of Life. yeah, 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 I do. I, I watched some Facts of Life. I know, I know my Facts of Life. So Cloris Leachman replaced Charlotte Ray, but she was already a long time, you know, famous actress. Charlotte Ray, of course, you know, did, uh, the gimmick with uh, what you talking about, Willis? What the hell's name of that show? Uh, uh, Why am I blanking on it? I'm blanking on it too. What the fuck? And people uh, are gonna go strokes. nuts. Yeah, different strokes. Different there strokes. you go. Okay. Yeah. We got it. Yeah, so different Charlotte... strokes. We got it. Charlotte Ray was the housekeeper on different. I think she may have left one show to go to the other. I don't remember the timeline. But um, what was Facts of Life was 79 to 88. Nah, they kind of ran at the same time. If it started in 79. Now I need to know why Charlotte. Ray, <laughs> we must know this. I have to know. Um, in 78, uh, different strokes ran from. Did they ever give Arnold his seven... own? Did he ever get his own spinoff? Because that, again, that's another one that it feels like they probably would have, but hopefully they were smart enough to not. Who? Uh, wasn't his name Arnold in the show? 
Gary oh, Coleman. Yeah. Well, that was his show, really. Gary Coleman. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just didn't know if they like then decided to also once once different strokes stopped. To, hey, we're gonna have the Arnold show, and then he's gonna say, "What nah, you talking about, Willis?" But they they were smart enough to realize that uh, we don't need that. Oh, here, here it is. Okay. Is Facts Facts, isn't Facts of Life a, a spinoff of Different Strokes? That's it. Oh, there it yes. is. Yes. Hell so yeah. I, I, I knew there was a connection there. So Facts of Life spun off from Different Strokes. That And then Cloris Leachman replaced Charlotte Ray on, on uh, Facts of Life. I guess she got – let's see why she left at the end. See, of this the is when TV was TV, man, when all these things were spinning off and you had crossover episodes and stuff. This is what we're talking about, man. All right, so she wanted to leave the show to do theater – and then uh, Academy and Emmy Award-winning actress Cloris Leachman was signed as her replacement. So there you go. Um, but yeah, she left different strokes for Facts of Life. Then she left Facts of Life and was replaced by Cloris Leachman. That's how it went. Because yeah, they they, they changed the, the the new they brought in the new housekeeper on Facts of Life. Remember, uh, Edna Garrett was the Mrs. G. She's like she's the more well-known one, probably. Uh, no, the the role was Edna Garrett. So who replaced? Didn't they replace? They brought in another housekeeper, didn't they? See, I wasn't a big Facts of Life guy, to be honest. No, 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 I, no. Different strokes. Oh, Did different they bring strokes. A, um, mm, yeah. To play yes. Mrs. Garrett. Hold, uh, I got to know. This. We have. We must. <laughs> we must. We will get to payback uh, shortly, people. Do not worry. Nobody cares. About Nobody cares. Who, you're not going to want to hear our review um, anyway. Even if you like, if you like WWE, you're not going to like our review. And if you hate WWE, you're going to be glad that we're not talking about WWE. So, uh, okay, Pearl Gallagher was the new housekeeper. So they didn't bring in a new actress. They brought in a new house, a new housekeeper. Just a whole new character okay. entirely. All right, all right, Pearl. That's what I believe they did here. <laughs> uh, Nobody's named Pearl anymore. We need to bring back Pearl. Well, that lady would have been. She, she, you know. That lady was probably born in 1950. I know. We need to bring pearls back. I, I agree. Oh, remember Dixie Carter was on? Um, not that Dixie Carter. Oh, remember I was like, Dixie what? Carter was on? <laughs> different Strokes. No, no, no. The, 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 not the that designing Dixie Carter, women though. Dixie Carter. Yes, designing women Dixie Carter. Yeah, that the, the actress Dixie Carter, um, who was also quite the number in her younger age. Absolutely. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Look at Janet Jackson with the recurring role on Different Strokes. I guess after Good Times finished up as Charlene Dupree. Maybe the same. Was that the same character? What was the name of the family on? <laughs> Let me pull up Good Times. Uh, ooh, yeah. Mm. No, no, they were the Evans. Oh, no, 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 Mike, Mike. No, no, they were the. Uh, yeah, the Evans family on Good Times, right? Okay. They were the Evans family. I believe so. James Evans was J- John almost was James Evans. Yeah, okay. So one wouldn't be the same character. Um Janet Jackson played Melissa Penny Woods on uh Good Times. So different character. Glad we settled that too. We have, yes, we have. There is now uh, a uh, a nanny discussion going on in our in the note up chat room as well. So The Nanny? Yeah, love that show. Love the nanny. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, love the nanny. Big fan of the nanny, man. <laughs> oh yeah, big fan of the, of peak nanny, no doubt about it. Um, the nurse, I, I told her once that she looks a lot like Fran Drescher, and she was upset. And I was like, "That's not a thing to be upset about. That's like an incredibly attractive woman." And then she saw, and I was like, "See, that's not a problem to be looking like the nanny." Be, 
before she knew what she looked like. That doesn't make I sense. Think, well, I think she knew what she looked like, but she thought of the voice. And I'm like, eh, no, the voice is fine. The voice is whatever. I have no problem with the voice. Either. I like the I, voice, you know. too. You got to be a part. Yeah, you have to be, you know. I'm from Chicago. All You're right, from oh, Jersey. Like, you Did know? you do it? Did you do a little fantasy role play? With ah, the you nurse? Know what? Hey, Did hey, you have her do hey. a voice? Why are giving it to her? She's doing the nanny laugh. <laughs> do you, do you... I don't think she could. I, I don't think she would uh, agree to do the nanny voice. All right. She said people you, used to make fun of her for the voice, but uh... did you put the little gray poof part in your hair, like Mister <laughs> whatever his name was? Yeah, that guy, the fucking the English fuck guy, guy, whatever his fucking name was. I don't know. Who cares? I only watch Fred Drescher. I'm not watching the other guy. Who gives a fuck about the other guy? So, and he, you know, her boss, uh, the, the, the sexual tension guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the sexual tension guy. <laughs> well, that's the whole point of his character for the sexual tension. Oh no, tension. come on. Yeah, no, that was yeah, yeah, that was all it was. Um, did they eventually fuck at the end of the show and get together? I want to say they? they did. Yeah, there was a couple seasons where they, I think they had gotten together finally. But then it, it's like all those. It's it just once that happens, it's kind of. Like in Cheers, Maxwell. you're kind of just like, yeah, all right, well, that's the end of that. Maxwell so. Sheffield is <laughs> Maxwell Sheffield. About. What a name! Maxwell yeah. Sheffield, who was the boss. I think they did. Uh, the romantic tension between Maxwell and Fran lasts until the middle of the fifth season when the couple gets engaged. Following several snafus, mm-hmm. I can only imagine, Rich, the hilarity that ensues. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, they are finally married in the season five finale. See what you do when the show is on its last legs. To give it that last little bump, marriage. You put them together. Yeah, you get you get the That's marriage. Yeah, you get the marriage rating. It happens in wrestling. It happens in TV shows too. The, the marriage bump always works. Friends, even friends had to do it. Even friends is like, all right, we're getting out of the final stretch here. Just fucking have them get married. Fine, just go ahead. Because you check this out in season three, the nanny was doing a twelve point five rating. Yeah, number sixteen show. In season four, it dropped to a 9.1 rating. So they hooked them up in season five, 11.5 rating. Yeah, see? They're, they're geniuses. Those guys, yeah. they put they they sat there with a cigar at this table, these network guys or whatever. One of them sat back and said, let's do it. It's time. You know what I mean? And they all lit their cigars, put their feet up on the table, and it was time, and it worked. It fucking worked perfectly. Kudos yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then it falls off the shelf after that. Yeah, and they know that. They know that. It's just the last gasp. It's the last, all right, guys, it's let's do this, gasp. get our last gasp, and then it's all over. And then it was, and that's fine. You got to do it. Like like Sam and Diane on Cheers, they were like fiery, on again, off again. But then she left the show, and they brought in uh, the brunette. The hell was her name? Christy Alley. She just died. Christy Alley. Yeah, they brought in Kirstie Alley. But the thing with the Kirstie Alley the thing with the the the, the dynamic between uh they didn't spend enough sam time Malone. there wasn't enough time for the tension well well the thing with sam and rebecca was rebecca didn't have any interest in sam sam was horny for her but she would always refuse his advances and he was always unsuccessful trying to fuck her because if you remember rebecca was horny for that millionaire guy who owned the bar. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. Played by Tom Skerritt. Now we're talking. Remember I, I the... watched a lot of Cheers, man. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, the Tom Skerritt character. I can't. I can't remember his name, but um, she she was horny for that guy, and he had no interest in her. And she would always make a buffoon of herself when she was trying to impress the uh, the rich Tom Skerritt character. Who it's going to bother me. I hope someone in the chat can remember. Um, what his character's name was but um but yeah so that's they they never you know sam and, and rebecca they never 
I don't think they ever hooked them up. She just she didn't. I'm not. She wanted. To, she was. Yeah, I don't remember if they ever actually did it or not. I mean, he definitely wanted to fuck her because he was a horn dog. Ah, I mean, that guy wanted uh, to fuck anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, talk about a show you can't do now. I mean, you can't. You can't have Sam Malone running around you know, <laughs> tossing beers to ladies so he can fuck them. <laughs> trying to fuck everybody. You know, just <laughs> buying alcohol uh, for women at his bar so he can fuck them. Nah, yeah, that's not gonna work. Is that's not gonna work? Well, there's yeah. that great scene with with Sam and Diane where the at the climax of the episode, they slap each other like repeatedly for right. laughs. Right. That was that was played for laughs. Like they get in an argument, one of them slaps the other, then the other slaps the other one back, and then they they slap each other. And you're supposed to laugh at that. Like that's funny. You know, it's just completely different culture. <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's it's a shockingly different culture. Um, you know, now everybody would want both of them in jail. Like if you, you know, oh my God, how'd they not put those characters in jail? Um yeah, I guess we got to do this. <laughs> I suppose. This Vic fucking payback show. Uh, <laughs> all right. I guess start at the top. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Becky Lynch. We should, uh, ask, we should ask the chat more sitcom talk or payback. They're going to say more sitcom talk. You know, they're going to say more. sitcom. I think talk. I can do a poll. Let me see if I can do a poll here on this. Uh, Engage with my audience. Let's let's engage. Do you want more sitcom talk or for us to review WWE Payback? Right. All right. So while you're doing that, uh, Maura Johnston coming in big in the clutch. Evan Drake was the Tom Skerritt character. Evan who, Drake. Uh, wow. What a what a great it. name too. What a great name too. What a great millionaire name. <laughs> it's a perfect guy. Drake, millionaire guy that right? owns a bar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Evan Drake, fantastic. Um, all right, so the the poll is up. The poll's up. Uh, I will tell you, sitcom talk is winning ninety three percent right now. So. It's gonna be a slaughter. Uh, it is. It is. It is falling a bit though. It's at ninety. That's at ninety. Yeah, eighty seven. Uh oh, we got the the hardcores of. Have has descended here. Um, we got. We'll, we'll do another minute or two, and then we'll see where. Uh, See where it goes. This guy says, "Talk cheers." We just did. What more cheers do you want out of us? Get a lot of cheers. Where'd you where'd you show up to the show? We just talked about cheers. <laughs> did cheers. How much we, cheers do you want? I mean, just did Evan Drake for God's sake. Right? Yeah. Like, what what do you want us to do? Break down the intricacies of George Wentz? Like, what do you what do you want out of here? Like, the rest of the guys just drink. You know what I mean? Like, the other guys were just alcoholics. We're doing, we're, we're doing recurring characters. Over here. <laughs> right. You know. What was what was Wentz's character? I forget what he was. And, Norm. Yeah. Norm. Norm, of yeah, course. Yeah, Norm. Norm. Like, the rest of the guys don't have any real... The show was all about the sexual tension. The other guys were just, you know... They'd have their I don't little, know. They'd I, have their I, little I, shows here and there, but everybody remembers the... I, I think Norm is an iconic television character. Oh, I, no, I, I agree. I just mean, like, you can't have Norm I mean, they talk. all are. How are you gonna say, Carla? Yeah. Come on. Oh, no, Car- she's incredible. Yeah, Rio Perlman. Incredible. Launched the career of Woody Harrelson? You know, I I don't know. I got to screw you there. Woody Boyd, another, you know. And Cliff Clavin, the know-it-all, the bar know-it-all, <laughs> who knows nothing. That's What a great concept for a character. The bar know-it-all who really knows nothing. Yeah. Because that's so real. That's, and then he's the mailman, too, which that. is another perfect part about it, too. Yes. Uh, no, they nailed it. They nailed bar culture for sure. Oh, God, they fucking nailed it. And then even when they were throwing curveballs, like when Coach dies... 
they replace him with Woody, and then Woody is amazing. Yeah, he's fantastic. Right? And then Shelly Long leaves, and they replace Shelly Long with Kirstie Alley, and two drastically different characters. You still need the woman for, for Sam Malone to play off of, but then that's phenomenal. You know, that show never missed a beat. You know, even even when they had to change cast and all that. I got to watch more Cheers uh, again. Well, I, I did as a kid. I need to go back and watch. Great theme song, too. Oh, Cheers rocks. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, tremendous. It's it's Pantheon. Top five. Easy. Got Frasier. I didn't like Top Frasier, five, though. Six didn't like Frasier, though. Spinoff Frasier. I didn't like Frasier either. I, thought, I, I was not a Frasier guy. Well, I was also, like, the age where, imagine, like, me, an eight-year-old who, for some reason, like Cheers, watching Frasier. And it's like... Yeah, Frazier's it's like stuck. sniff your own farts bullshit. Get out of here, Frazier. Get the Frazier's fuck out of here. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, I, I was not. Like, I don't I know if as like a 36 year old I would like Frazier now, but as an eight year old I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. It's like, oh, I'm so highbrow. And get the fuck out of here. Go away. They, they played the uh, sexual attention card too with Daphne and Niles. Remember, like Niles was horny. <laughs> Daphne. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I. But I'm not a Frasier watcher. I don't know if they ever fucked. But yeah, I, I don't Niles care. Was, yeah, I don't even care either if they did or not. He was super horny for Daphne, you know. And then, of course, their dad, played by the great John Mahoney. I mean, that guy, you know, awesome actor, everything he was in. Like, of course, he was the hard-nosed, blue-collar cop, right, to play off of his. How did his sons end up with, like, British accents? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, but it's, it, you know. Or was it? Uh, he was. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. John Mahoney is. Uh, uh, he was frequently seen in, in the town I lived in uh, before uh, I lived in this current town. When, when we were first doing the show and I was in the apartment, uh, same town as me. You'd see him all the time, all around. Nobody really stopped wow. him or anything because he's just like, unless you really like honed in on like, hey, I think that's you know, John Mahoney. He just looks like an old white dude. You know what I mean? Like he he's not. Yeah. And you yeah. you wouldn't have enough courage to be like i'm gonna go up and talk to that guy because <laughs> like what if he's just like what i'm just an old white guy like if you if he right, wasn't the right, guy you right. thought he was and he wasn't identifiable enough yeah, yeah you couldn't be positive you'd be like i think that's john mahoney but like i don't know i'm not gonna go up to him for sure like if he was in a, yeah. a place you would know if, if it was like a playhouse and he was like getting ready to go on stage you'd be like oh that is clearly john mahoney but like just walking the streets of, of oak park illinois you'd have no idea that you were seeing john mahoney or whatever so yeah, and you don't you don't want to make a fool of yourself. It's no. like I, I I may have told this story before, but when I first moved here, I thought I thought I saw Rip Torn like in a grocery store. <laughs> but how can you walk and up to I a was guy like, and say, "Are you Rip Torn?" Yeah, you can't do that. Right, and I was I was like, <laughs> that can't possibly be Rip Torn in College Station, Texas. Is that, that's Kroger. a working name, you know right? I mean? That's not that can't be a so, shoot name, right? Rip Torn. So. uh so then I've come to find out that he's an A&M grad. It probably was Rich Corn. And I blew my I blew my shot. Damn. Like he went to A&M in like the 40s or some shit and like it really was Rip Torn. So I, I kind of blew that one. But uh and by the way, real name. No Elmore way. Raul. Listen. Okay. Elmore Raul Rip Torn Jr. Okay. Rip torn is is ripping. You're, are you looking at the Wikipedia? Is ripping in uh, in quotes there? Of course. Ah, quotes. that's a working yes. name. Then that's a working name. That's his nickname. Ah, that's not nickname. a that's a working. It's a working name. It's not a shoot name. I don't. I listen. I don't. I don't count that as a working name. His name is Rip Torn. His nick. He's he's known by his family as Rip Torn. I think that's how you okay. differentiate All right. that. All right. right. All right. How about he's the son? Check this out. He's the son of Elmore Raul. Tiger torn. 
<laughs> wow, what a, what what a, a family. family. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what a family. You got Tiger Torn and Rip Torn. Now are you on team? Okay, now I'm in. Yeah, that's, that's a shoot name now. Okay. I'm in. Shoot name. Yeah, yeah. So uh, his mom, Thelma Mary Torn, is the, check this out, is the aunt of the actress Sissy Spacek. Oh, okay. That connection. Look at that. How about that connection? So that means Sissy Spacek and Rip Torn, that would make them cousins, correct? Uh, yes. What do we got here? So you're saying the... His mo- mom is her aunt, so they're cousins. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I also blew my opportunity. <laughs> Why would you know that? Sh- Why would you know that? Why would you know that off the top of your head they- that Rip Torn is cousins with Sissy Spacek? That's a good point. I don't know why I know it. I'm just telling you I didn't know it. I also know I blew my opportunity to give a firm handshake to Rip Torn yeah. in like 2010. But you got to cut me a break. Why would I think he would be here? Yeah, it's too – no, and that's – that's I, I hate I, – I am very – well, first off, I'm, I, I'm that way usually with celebrities. So it's like I wasn't going to go up to John Mahoney anyway and be like, hey, what's up, man? You know what I mean? Like I wasn't going to do that, yeah. but – uh, I just don't like doing that with I don't like doing that with people I think I recognize from like high school because like what if it's not that guy? The idea of walking up to somebody and being like, "Hey, Joey," and then being like, "Who?" and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like wherever I'm at, I have to leave. I can't stay in the place I'm at. Our chat has never been more on fire. Than <laughs> so it is we did right do now. this more, yeah. This? Fuck wrestling. This is this is incredible. Um, this sitcom talk. Just has people all fired up. Yeah, the the seventy two percent on these sitcom talks. So it, it is it is plummeting, but uh, not enough to make me stop and talk about Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus in a cage. There's, uh, there's someone in the chat by the name of Sydney Hickenbottom. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a working name. A that's a working name. That's a working sure. name. Yes. There's no way that's a legitimate Hickenbottom, right? That's a that's a no, playing, no, that's a that's a that's a working name. That's a working Hickenbottom right there. The name Sydney Hickenbottom, gotta be. Uh, Look at his chat blowing up. That's it's incredible. What are the results of the, oh, let me vote on the poll? Yeah, because it's it's at seventy two right now. Yeah, seventy three percent sitcom talk. There it is. You put it seventy three. I think it's uh now we're getting requests. Right? Yeah, yeah, do you, you guys, guys like Spin, Spin City? City? Yeah, not like, that right. much. I don't really like Spin City take that much. It easy. Yeah, take it yeah, easy. I really nah, like not a big Spin City guy. It was all right. It was all right. Um, I can't do didn't Charlie um, Sheen. Didn't yeah. Charlie Sheen replace Fox when he got too shaky? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Final couple episodes, yeah, or final couple Fox seasons. Got I a should little say. too shaky there. They had to yeah. switch him out. But the thing is, Curb Curb brought Fox in when he was real shaky. Yeah, yeah. You just got to own it. You just got to own it. It's fine. Well, Larry did. He wrote the story around him being shaky, right, right. which is just you know, you got a shaky guy. You, you're going to want to write a story yeah, about perfect. Him being shaky. Yeah, right. It's it. You know. Um, now, Family Ties. I love me some family ties, but um, I, I I put on. You were talking before about like the Pluto channels or There's whatever. Dumb right? channels, yeah. Pluto and Zumo so I found a family and Family Ties channel, yeah. So I'm watching Family Ties just like for ten hours, or something, like, <laughs> as as one does, yes. And, and uh, I'm watching Family Ties, and and my wife had never seen Family Ties, and um, you know, so I'm telling her all about Justine Bateman and how she's, uh, you know, Bateman's sister because she's obviously everyone's familiar with, uh, with her brother. You know, and she's like, oh, that's interesting, and and you know, young Michael J. Fox, and you know what my wife hit me with? She hit me with the dad on this show is hot. Whoa, that really took me back. The I'm like, be- what? with the beard and the gray hair and yes, stuff. Yes, interesting. Gross. Grow a beard, Joe. Get gray. Yeah, Michael. I have a beard. Michael Gross. <laughs> She's like, the dad on this show is hot. I was like, 
I have never heard anyone say <laughs> that the dad from Family Ties. Is hot. Yeah. I wasn't bothered by it, but I was fascinated by it. Yeah, he's, he does, he's not a traditionally attractive man in any way, shape, or form. You know what it is, though? She loves the hint of gray. The salt and pepper? Yeah. She loves the hint of gray. Well, like, I complain She'd be a big fan of me right of now, man. I, I got too much gray right now. So. I, that, I'm saying, like, I'll complain about the hint. I'll be, like, stroking it on my beard. I'm like, ah, this hint of gray. She's like, oh, no. Do not fuck with that hint of gray. I'm like, I do what you tell me. Yes. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes. Until, until the action starts, then you do what I tell you. But the, Michael Gross from Family Time, that was a new one to me. That's a uh, yeah. I don't that, know how many people are 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 attracted to him, but yeah, good. Well, maybe I don't know. Was, I wasn't around at the time. Maybe that was a, a thing. And that could have been a thing. There's no way. I don't think it's a thing. There's I don't, no I don't way that a was thing. a thing. Yeah. I, you know, and <laughs> it's uh, it's it's I don't know. It's it's a weird one. Was he ever on? Uh, same, what was it? Who was the? What was the sexiest man alive? Who did that? I forget what. Uh, what what what, the, what uh, op, like what operation would do the uh, sexiest man alive oh, thing? People. People, is that People okay? Magazine? Yeah. Yeah. You think he was ever on the uh, sexiest man alive? Never. Michael Gross with family ties? <laughs> Michael Gross with family ties. Not, Not even like it wasn't like eighty eighth or something like that. You don't think he was anywhere? So the, the thing about it is I was so interested in it because he's kind of portrayed as a dork on the show yes. too. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like this nerdy ex hippie and and Alex P. Keaton is always riffing on him and He's not presented as like cool or sexy at all. So I had a lot of questions about it, but then she just got frustrated and left the room. So I didn't really get to the bottom of it. Yeah, that's like, fair. You know how I can be sometimes. You just have yes. to leave the room. <laughs> I know how you can be. Them. Yes, I'm aware. So so, <laughs> so she, she was like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I just think he's hot. And then she just left. Because you were just like, um, why? Why do you think he's hot? Tell me everything. <laughs> like, Yeah, I was curious. I was trying to get to the bottom of the psychology. Yeah, what is it? it what is I, about him? Is it the nerdiness? Is it the, the, the salt and pepper? Is it the the fact that he's the man of the household? or What, what is it? Tell me. I gotta I could, know. Yeah, you know, I just you know, and, and and to her, she didn't put that much thought into it. She just thinks he looks good. I guess I don't know. And she got mad and she left the room. But um, because I, I never heard, I've never heard anyone describe the dad from Family Ties as someone they want to bone. Yeah. I've never heard that before in my life. Um, if anyone in the chat wants to, you know, say that they too find Stephen Keaton attractive, I'll all right, I'll I'll concede <laughs> the feat here. But I, you know. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, we talk about sexual tension and then as a last gasp effort, throwing people together to pop a last number, you know, family ties did the thing where they added a child to try to oh, the worst. They yeah. The worst gimmick. Brian Bonzel. As yeah. Andy uh, the worst gimmick adding a, it didn't work for the Von Erics in, in world class and it did not work for family ties either, baby. No, you can't add they always a family. Him, like, They'll, you'll come back from last season and they're like four years older instead of a year older. Yeah. And they always do that gimmick too. Like, wait a minute, that was a baby and now they're six. How did that happen? <laughs> you know, that that's always the case too. Like, uh, what was the, uh, what was the Alan Thick gimmick? What was his show? Oh, uh, uh, with, uh, 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 not step by step, right? No, no, yeah, step by th- no, right, no, yeah, no, yeah, step no, by step. no. Who was Alan, Alan uh, Thick's thing? Growing pains. Growing pains. Growing pains. Yes. Growing Pains added a whole ass teenager when they put DiCaprio on it. <laughs> right, like halfway through, they're like, hey, Tim. Or, well, I forget what the kid's name was, but it was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It's like a runaway or something. Yeah, they're yeah. like, we're adding a fucking teenager. 
You know, it's, <laughs> we can't, they, they we can't really be doing this. No, utterly ridiculous. You know, to just uh, <laughs> throw a fucking 15 year old into the family. It's uh, did you notice on Growing Pains? The names of the neighbor families were all former Mets pitchers, the Kuzmans, the, and they were the Seavers. The family on the show was the Seavers. Their neighbors were the Kuzmans. Hmm. There was a lot of like someone there was a Mets fan. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I guess I never really. Uh, Miracle yeah, Mets, right? Uh, 69 Miracle Mets, right? It got to be because th- there were other examples, too, where random last names of people would be like old Mets players on that show. And of course, uh, Kirk Cameron, you know, Mike Seaver, his best friend, his name was Boner. I always got a kick out of that when I was like <laughs> 10. Boner. Yeah, like, yeah they, ah, Boner's coming. Oh, yeah, Boner. I'm like, wow, that's risque. I can't believe they're saying Boner on TV. I was like, Boner, I get those. That's funny, you know, when I'm like 10 years old. But uh, he has growing pains. Are they still doing uh, – look at his chat. I have never seen his I know. chat. It's incredible. Fast. Wrestling is stupid. Why do we stupid. even do a wrestling I don't show? know. Why? I don't know. <laughs> in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking "Ah, maybe i can pull a ken griffey jr rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club.com the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. 
What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security the eufy video lock is also for convenience no more concerns about losing keys and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras some other great features we love about the eufy video lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a phillips screwdriver no drilling required Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K Clear Sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. This is this is ridiculous. We should just convert. Like we don't even like wrestling anyway. Why don't we <laughs> kind do of like stinks? Yeah, mostly stinks. So. <laughs> we should just do a three-hour banter show. That should be what we do. Like it, we don't. That's it. This is no longer a wrestling podcast. I have, I have declared it's over. Yeah. This ain't no wrestling podcast. Boner's dead. Someone says Boner's dead. Boner the bone. Find out if Boner is dead. See. Find out if Boner right, is dead. Let's confirm this. His name was I didn't know his last name was Stabone. Boner Stabone. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good I call a guy named Stabone Boner. Yeah, that's a good that's a good name. Richard Milhouse Boner Stabone. He left to join the Navy, played by Andrew Koenig. He is in fact dead. He died in twenty ten. Oh man. Oh, it looks Boner like it wasn't good. Dead. Wasn't good. So uh looks like he uh, What the fuck? I didn't know Boner was dead. Koning was last seen in British Columbia. Yeah, I don't read the whole. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it's not good. He missed his scheduled flight on February 16th, which was the last day he used his cell phone or conducted any banking. On February 25th, a group of friends and family found him dead in Vancouver's Stanley Park. 
he had apparently hanged himself. All right. Well, that that's not fun. No, why I told you it wasn't I fun. I that. said stop. I told you to stop. Ah, boner. Yeah, R.I.P. Boner. Patrick well. Duffy was uh, step by step. I apologize for getting that wrong. Correct. With Suzanne Summers. Oh, a plus Suzanne Summers. By Big the way, fan of that. Oh, Big yeah. fan of that. Oh yeah, you absolutely, like absolutely. You like her better as the MILF on Step by Step in the nineties, or you like her better in her twenties on uh, East Company? You know me, man. I'm the I'm, I, I like the MILF. Well, you're getting I, that I age think she's too. hotter as the you're MILF. Right. I think it's also because people in the nineties were just hotter. Yeah, yeah, people in the nineties were yeah. just hotter. The straight hair yeah. and the, you know. More than willing to show the uh, the voluptuous uh, press or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, she was. Uh, no, I, I think she she made it work in the nineties. Yeah, you know, late seventies style. Nobody looked. Hot. Yeah, it, it, right, right. Because you look at her and you're like, ah, yeah, I guess she's like she should be hot because she was hot in the nineties, and now she's here. She is twenty years younger, or whatever. But it just didn't. Uh... The, the the hair, the clothes. Yeah, none of yeah, it's good. Yeah, but as the hot hot ass mom good. and and step by step, absolutely. You they know, had way um, too many kids. By the way, I forgot how many children were in the show. What the fuck? Yeah, it was a it was a dumb Brady Bunch ripoff. Yeah, is what it was yeah, awful it was, show. You know, it was just a total ripoff of the Brady. Uh, yeah, you know. Um, speaking of Three's Company, you know, <laughs> I didn't speak uh, of Three's Company. Who said anything about Three's Company? We did. Suzanne Summers. Oh, Three's right, right, company. right. You did. You did. You did. Go ahead. You did Jack Tripper. You know John Ritter, of course. You know, uh, you know his best friend on that show, right? Jenner's best friend. There's no. a wrestling connection here. So his best friend, played by the great Richard Klein, Larry Dallas, was his best friend. Oh, friend. That's where the name has to come from, right? Well, I mean, come on. I, I, like I, 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 I hate to say this, but is that a working name or a shoot name from, from one Larry? I've only called him Larry. I don't know if that's actually his name. but There are a lot of similarities between Larry Dallas and Free's <laughs> Company and Larry Dallas, our pal from Triple uh, A. Yeah. Okay? A lot of similarities there. Larry Dallas is, again, a legendary sitcom character. Um, you know, total sleeveball. Hanging down at the Regal Beagle with Tripper, hitting on the ladies. You know, that was uh, – loved Larry Dallas. But um, did you prefer the uh, Don Knotts, Mr. Furley episodes? Or did you prefer <laughs> – See, you're out, of my, you're out of my league now. I, I don't – yeah. I, I uh, okay. Well, you're out of your depth here? Yeah, I can't so, do uh, I can, I could speak very, very definitively about 90s and, and late 80s ones. Three's Company is a little too uh... – See, I preferred the Ropers. I, you know, I, I, Norman Fell, who, yeah, again, tremendous actor. And, you know, their gimmick was they were the first – the landlords – the Ropers were the first landlords, okay? It was, Nor- it was uh, Stanley and Helen Roper. And they were like in their early sixties or whatever, and she was horny with for him, and he never wanted to fuck her. It was like the Al Bundy dynamic. Yeah, right, right. You know what I mean? So he had like the horny wife, and he was like, "Ah, I'm over it. You know, I haven't fucked since the fucking you know World War II or whatever the fuck." And uh, the, uh, the Roper, and then the ro- then Norman Fell had a contract dispute with the show, so they to solve that they just they switch gears and they brought in Don Knotts as the new landlord Mr. Furley. I prefer the Roper seasons of Three's Company to the Furley seasons of Three's Company. Um uh Rich obviously is not familiar enough. No, I got I got I got to back out here. Yeah, I got to back out. The uh the, yeah, the chat there was a Roper spinoff. Roper. Yeah, people are with you. People are with you on the Ropers. Roper over Furley. Yeah, Roper over Furley. You know, Furley was too cartoonish for me. You know, I, I just you know he was too sports entertainment for my liking. I yeah, I, I preferred the Ropers. 
Um, and they did have a spinoff, The Ropers. It didn't last, but it was funny as hell. That only had a couple episodes. Um, someone said, isn't Alan Thick from, uh, from, uh, from uh, what were we just talking about? Um, what, what about Alan Thick? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. died. Yeah, yeah he's, he's dead. Yeah, he died I'll, playing I'll... hockey. Is that true? Wow. Well, that hey, if you know what, he's a Canadian legend. That's probably how you should go, right? He died, I believe, playing a pickup hockey game. There's no better way and for a man from Canada to die, though. That's perfect. Let me confirm this. On December 13th, 2016, Thick collapsed while playing ice hockey with his son Carter in Burbank, California. How about that? Wow. The manager of the rink. The word rink always throws me off. Rink, like, yeah. The manager of the rink said he was talking and even joked to his son to take a photo as he was being wheeled out on a stretcher. Oh, my God. Thick died later that day of type A aortic dissection at the Blah Blah Hospital at the age of 69. Nice. Uh, on December 19th, 2016, the cast of... I just niced the man's death. On December 19th, 2016, the cast of Growing Pains, including Leonardo DiCaprio, reunited at Thick's funeral. A eulogy was given by his friend Bob Saget, also dead, and his son Robin offered a humorous remembrance. Yeah, Robin Thicke had that. Isn't he a one-hit wonder? What was what was the the? Robin oh, he Thicke had hit? the uh, something about taking your clothes off or some shit. I I think that the song is song canceled, was. isn't it? That song uh, got blurred canceled. lines, yeah, blurred lines. I believe that is is indeed lines, a canceled. Yes. Yeah, that, that song is fucking canceled, Rich. Yeah, blurred lines. Blurred Lines, even the title, but I mean, Blurred Lines is fucking canceled. I want to say Robin might be uh, canceled, too. I, don't, I forget, but... Uh, probably. Yeah. Probably. Um, yeah, that's that's canceled, and uh, Baby It's Cold Outside is fucking canceled. <laughs> you can't do it anymore. Can't you do can't. it. You know what, though? People have fought back on that. I hear it every there, year. There has been. The there has there. been. Uh, yeah, there, there definitely has been. A, a... a lot of people are like, you know what? Fuck you. We're not canceling everything. It's a timeless tune, and, and we're playing it anyway. So people have took a stand on that one. But, uh, yeah, I do think that Robin Thicke song is canceled. So, all right. I guess we got to do Vic payback at some point. <laughs> at some point, we got to do payback, yeah. And upset the chat here. Yeah, sorry to the uh, 74% of you that uh, that wanted sitcom talk. You got an hour of it, so to be fair, which is pretty damn good. Uh, one of these days, one of these days, we'll get the uh, the, the full-on banter show. It's it's This is pretty close. This was a very close week to it. I I, I won't lie. Other than the Sheik Adnan Al Casey, there's a very good chance we could have gone two more hours uh, with the, uh, the the banter talk. But uh, let's talk about this payback show. Yeah. It's on Saturday. It was a WWE premium over. live event. Uh, it's over. Started out with uh, Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus in a cage. They tried kind of <laughs> hard. wasn't very good. I don't know. <laughs> they tried. I hard. don't know. People, people dig that cage match. Okay. Here's, here's, I mean, all right. all right. Look, here's my problem with that match. I watched Payback after I watched All Out. Oh, no, so, I did too. I watched, but I gave it like two days. Well, how long did you give? Like a day or two. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, After tough. you watch Brian Danielson and Ricky Starks and that strap match, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah. And after you watch like uh, Mox beat the, the the fucking living snot out of Orange Cassidy, and you watch these people bleed all over the place and 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 have all this great intensity, 
it's really hard to transition to a WWE style match like this where you know Lynch and Stratus did try to work this in an, in an intense way and a lot of people feel like they were trying to bleed hard way with some of the the cage shots and stuff and okay because they, they did like they cut up their heads pretty badly or not like uh they there, there was like a bruises there was a lot of bruises on on both of them at when the match was done but just cut yourself Jesus that, Christ just cut your this is like the Brock it, thing where they would spend years like, being like, all right, we need to get color. So instead of blading, we'll have Brock slice your eyebrow with his elbow. It's like, fucking grab a knife and blade. What are we doing here? Yeah, Jeez. but the thing is, the company doesn't want blood at all. I know. Well, they got so, it later in the night, so. They did. And they cleaned them all up and patched them up. And I hate when they do that. Um, so, and I believe that Lynch is the kind of wrestler who would try to go hard way and, and add to her match. and But. The thing about it is I thought it was a good match. It did hurt trying to watch it after all out because it can't compare with anything on that on that show. But the whole candy-coated WWE environment just takes me right out of matches like this. I I understand they tried to make it intense, but you just can't. You can't. And that's what we talked about when we did the instant reaction for all out. Or all in. No, all out. Um, WWE is not capable of doing a show that good in the same ways that that show. No, they just can't. They, they, they They just can't. Yeah. They're they're not set up to do it. No, it's, it's too, like I said, candy coated is the phrase I keep coming back to. It's, it's, there's this veneer of bullshit that surrounds WWE that prevents them from doing a show that good. And they definitely can't do a show that good in the same way that it was good. And this match is a perfect example because they couldn't get any more intense that they got. And they, and they worked their the ass blood. off, too. They worked their ass off here. But at the end of the day, it came up short for me because of everything I saw on the show, you know, the next night that I watched before I watched this show. So if I had watched this cage match before All Out, I probably would have liked it a little better. But there's still that WWE thing around it where it's like, I don't know. It all feels like bullshit in this company, where as in AEW, it, it when when an AEW match lands, like those two matches I mentioned, it doesn't feel like bullshit. It feels like old school, super intense hatred pro wrestling. And, you know, there's nothing they can do in WWE to make their matches like this feel like that for me. So I was not nearly as high on this match as other people were. I will say this. I did think it was the best match on the show. And that might be controversial. I would agree. No, I would agree. Okay. All yeah, right. Well, I would agree. then we're both gonna we're both gonna rip the tag match that everybody loved, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I guess so. That was gonna um, be my hot take is that I, I agree that this one was the uh Yeah, it was it was they, they worked really hard. They worked really, really hard. Um it's just like you said, there's a veneer about everything that they do in that company that, yeah, in another company they could get brutal, they could bleed, they could really take this thing up a notch, but instead it it just yeah, it's everything's gotta be kind of done. You know, and and especially WWE cage matches. This was brutal. This was brutal in in, in a lot of the right ways. And and yeah, I give them a ton of credit. I'll give Trish Stratus a ton of credit as well uh, for for having a match like this when she absolutely does not need to. I see why Becky Lynch is still obviously trying to have matches like this, but you know, because she's an active competitor. But there's no reason for Trish to have to go out there and bust her ass like she did here. But she absolutely did. So I'll give her all the credit in the world for doing that. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like I feel like most WWE stuff, at least for me, has a certain ceiling that no matter how hard you work, and this is a good example of it, no matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you, you know, it it, it just feels, I don't know. I just don't, 
I have no passion for it. And I just don't feel the same energy that some people feel. So it kind of sucks when, when, when a match like this ends. And I'm like, yeah, that was fine. And I move on. You know what it is? Here's the word we've been missing. There's no authenticity to it. No. That's the problem. There's nothing they do in this company that feels like there's there, there's no gritty, raw authenticity to any of these matches. Right. R- Ricky and Brian Danielson slapping each other, but instead of using their hands, they're using a strap. Yeah, and, and you just feel the, the yeah. hatred in a match like that. And you'd never feel it in the WWE matches. It always comes across like they're just making a TV show about wrestling. So that's the barrier with a match like this, mm-hmm. which prevents it from me thinking it's great. LA Knight and the Miz with the guest ref. <laughs> you know, this Cena Miz stuff before the match was infuriating. I, I wanted to turn. I'm like, this is so exactly bad. why I don't watch. I can't get into this company. They have Grayson Waller now. They finally are using Grayson Waller the way that we said that they should use him for two years as the replacement level Miz. But then they still have the fucking Miz hanging around going, when my hand goes up, your hand goes down. I made a fit at WrestleMania. I was the... It's okay. <laughs> We've done the same promo for seven years now. Can we please move on? Can we please do something else other than the Miz? I'm begging them. No more Miz. Come on. It's just corny. It's just so bad, just too. Corny. Yeah. And um, yeah, LA Knight's over, but... Man, or his matches. Oh, they shit. stink. Once that bell rings, it's over. But in this company, it doesn't matter. He's a nothing. It he doesn't matter. Nothing. <laughs> this this company doesn't matter. No, nothing in this that. company matters. Um, uh, speaking of nah, not he, mattering, uh, so John Cena was a special guest. Like, uh, oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. We're 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 on. We're we're having some connection issues here. Um, I was gonna say the. I'm spe- gonna dip out. I'm dipping it. I'm dipping out and coming back. All right, Joe's dipping out. Coming back, um, I'll, I'll wait for this line because I think Joe is going to like when I when I give him this line. Uh, so I'm going to wait a minute until uh, we talk about that. But yeah, obviously for this match, you had the Miz and John Cena doing a very, very large, long, dreadful promo segment for a little while until uh, then you get, um, you know, then you get. The Miz and John Cena do this long promo segment back and forth. Nothing good is happening. It's just a bad segment. Miz is doing all the same shit he always does. Then LA Knight comes out like the fucking god that he is to these people. And yeah, the problem that you're going to run into at some point with this, Joe, you are back, correct? Back. You're back. Okay. So I'm just saying, yeah, the point, the the LA Knight thing, I don't know if it matters that he sucks. And I don't know if it is going to matter that he sucks. I don't know. This is a very we're in this weird stage with this company where for right now it doesn't matter if you can wrestle as long as you have a catchphrase or are doing something and have a good theme song the crowd is going to love. So I don't know what we're at. I don't know if this worm is going to turn ever and people are going to go, "Okay, but yeah, when 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 are we going to get the good, you know, when is he going to actually deliver bell to bell?" And maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. This is going to be a fast the next year is going to be fascinating for this guy. Because is he just another Zack Ryder? Is he just another thing where people are kind of into for right now? Oh, yeah, the catchphrase and all that sort of stuff. And then they're going to get sick of it, and then they're going to move on. Or is this thing going to last? Like, I, I I, don't know. It's so weird because he just does not have the chops to 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 work like the main event level of work. But then, again, I don't know if that matters anymore. Maybe he does. Well, people like to say, yeah. Yeah, all the time. On AEW Cena shows, too. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's it's. I I, I want to say that there's still a working standard at the top of the card. I'd like to think there is as well. But I'm thinking about it, and you know, I I just keep thinking about Dominic. But the thing with Dominic is, I still think some of that is ironic. Right, and they've they've kept him at a certain. If, if you've noticed, he was as hot as ever a couple of months ago. They never, you know what I mean? They still kind of had him in a slot. Like, he never got above they, that slot. They know he can't go. They know he's, like, the worst guy on the main roster. And I they, think and they know this about LA Knight, too, and I think they're kind of towing that line a little bit, too. Hedging a little? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think well, so. Well, you know, they had they had Cena endorse him at the end of this. <laughs> I love that they're going to get over this 41-year-old guy. It's like, you want new stars? Here you go, LA Knight. It's like, all right. Yeah. I mean, his matches really are just nothing. They're not I mean, good, they're, they're, yeah. They're two-star specials. They're just... Well, we knew this. I mean, the guy's been doing this thing for 10 years now. Anybody who watches the wrestling world knows what this guy is. So it's like, yeah, for some people being like, hey, have you seen this LA Knight guy? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for a lot of times. Uh, actually, in fact, Eli Drake. Uh, yeah, yes, right. I have seen LA Knight right. for years and years. Yes. Yes, I'm well uh, aware uh, of LA Knight's down to the, see, yeah, yeah, you know, he was doing he was doing yeah, that forever. Yeah. But uh, Dummy, no, he, yeah. Yeah, dummy. Yeah, who doesn't remember dummy? Yeah, but the, the same hand gesture too. Yeah, exactly. Eli Drake. I'm doing it. I'm doing it right there. Know. I did it right with you. Yeah, I'm doing it too. Do you know what else I do? I'm gonna tell you something else I do. I do the uh, the dance that Prince Nana does during Swerve's entrance. <laughs> it's, I do it's it. a good gimmick. Yeah, I do that dance. The, the, the Prince Nana dance. Are you playing the song? Or the, you're just dancing. You're just dancing. I do it while while Nana's doing it during swerves. Got it, got it. Like, okay. While Nana, he does the side to side like he's swerving in a car. Yeah, right? yep. He does the side to side. Then he puts one hand on the belt and he and he swings the other hand like a lasso. Like he he mixes he mixes in that move. And I do it with Prince Nana. I do that in my living room. Well, what's good is it's like it. he's not good at it either. It's like a bad dance so that you can do oh, it. Oh, Anybody oh, can do it, me, sir. You're assuming I'm not good at it. Is that's a big no, no, problem. no. I I think it's not a very good dance, and that anybody can do it. Is what I'm saying. You said he's not good at it either, implying that I am not good at that dance. Let me tell you something. <laughs> when I get when I when I listen, Cameo reached back out to me after rejecting me several years ago for 100 USD. I will do that Nana dance. On Drop Cameo. that link. Drop that link for 100 dollars usd i will do the nana dance and play the swerve song and prove that i'm good at that dance i will do it that is my rate though um anyway enough of that (laughs) ray mysterio no 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 hold on one more thing you gotta i gotta talk about um you said not mattering you know and i went you know and we had connection issues that's speaking of not mattering john cena is the special guest referee here and He's doing nothing. It's just he he's completely irrelevant to the match. And Corey Graves says, I, I don't like Corey Graves at all. I hate him. I he's a t- fucking awful announcer. I don't know who was in his ear for this one. I don't know if he gave this one on his own. An amazing burial of John Cena here. A subtle burial, but enough here, where he goes, You know something, Cole? The old adage is uh the best referees are the ones you don't notice. And I can barely tell that John Cena's been a part of this match. And I was like, Yeah, yes. yeah. Because he wasn't yeah. doing it. He was walking in and going, one, two, two. 
and then like leaving it it's like i i think we need a little more energy out of you cena like <laughs> i think you're here for a reason and he's just like you know and then they started doing angles where it was like oh they almost hit john oh wait a minute miz is gonna hit him wait a minute you know yeah, yeah. Uh, la knight's gonna john hit him would, john would ball up his fist right right because you know you're always ready um but there was a large part of the match where he would just come in. And this match was way too long, too. It did not need to be 16 minutes. What are we doing here? LA Knight and The Miz. But, like, yeah, there was long portions of the match where they're just doing boring wrestling. And John Cena would just come in there and be like, you give up? No. No. It's just like he's just being yeah. a normal referee. And it's like, I don't know. I think we need a little more juice here. But I guess it's hard well, to uh, be juicy. The thing as about a... it is LA Knight it just isn't very good. Right, right. And, I, I, and, and in all seriousness, that might be a barrier for him. You know, he... Uh... The guy can't go. You know, the chat cleared out when we stopped talking. It really did. Yeah, it really did. You know, um, this is a funny one, though. Lee Connell in the chat says he was in the crowd at Dynamite and told Nana to go back to Ghana. And then I was super worried that people around me that don't know ROH would think I was racist. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) That is a good one. That's that. It. it, it occurred to him after the words tumbled out of his mouth that like, uh-oh, oh, I might boy. not get that. Yeah, the, yeah. the old-school embassy people, the people throwing, you know, toilet paper at Jimmy Rave, they would laugh about that. But, yeah, the, your your right. other, you know, the other people at, at Dynamite, yeah, they probably would not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I knew, we, I know what you mean. But, yeah, guy well, next course. to you, you know, in his Orange Cassidy shirt doesn't know what you mean at all. Right, right. Yeah, that, that was a little <laughs> yeah. concern. That's a yikes right um, there. <laughs> At the at the dynamite in Saskatoon that he attended uh, a few weeks ago. Um, next up was Rey Mysterio versus Austin Theory. Now, God, this was a nothing match. I, <laughs> you can't have a passable, even like a remotely passable match with with Rey Mysterio. Just fucking, you're done, man. You know, I got. I want to talk about Austin Theory because I thought uh, he 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 obviously got pushed too much too soon in Evolve, but but Gabe saw that there was a lot of potential there. And he took a, he took a lot of criticism because the evolved roster was really stacked at that time. And this was a 20 year old kid who really wasn't at that level, but I thought he got better, you know, while he was there. And eventually the push did take and all those things. And he comes to NXT. And I thought there was a period during NXT when he looked really great and really looked like someone who was going to be a top level uh, guy in the ring and possibly star as well comes to the main roster Vince loves him, so he's got the Vince stamp of approval. And, um, you know, obviously it, it the discourse around him is weird because he has the kind of the speaking out thing. So some people are never going to be fair. This guy could be, you know, a super worker, and there's a lot of people who just you know, they're not going to like him and they're not going to be fair about his work. And so he's one of those guys where the discourse gets a little weird because of that, um, because people hate him as a person. But the thing about it is, um, he clearly has regressed. I mean, there's no question about it. Yeah, he I don't know if it's, and I don't know if it's because they have beaten the confidence out of him, or they're deliberately telling him to work in a way that doesn't suit his skill set. I don't know what the fuck it is, but there is no question that this guy has slowly regressed before our eyes to the point now where he is just—he's not even a jag. I wouldn't. He's like below that. No, he's I don't bad. Know what the yeah, fuck I, he I don't know what happened. They, he he was a guy who came in, like you said, as as kind of a jag, but then sort of had to live up to the standard that was going on in the Indies at that time and it evolved at that time or whatever. And then slowly, he didn't get there. He wasn't there, but he got good. He got passable. I, I should say he got decent enough. And then, like you said, in NXT, it was like okay, 
they were right. Gabe was right. Vince was right. Everybody was right to, to, to put as much stock as possible in this guy. And, and Vince loved this guy from day one, by the way, even when he was in Evolve. And, and, and people that do not know, I mean, like, he was in Evolve, and, and Vince and Triple H wanted him, like, right away. And Gabe was like, no, 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 he's not ready. He's not ready. Let me have him. for This is when they were obviously friendly and on good terms or whatever. Yeah. But Vince Triple H wanted to sign him right away. And, and all, for all intents and purposes, kind of said, hey, we're going to sign you, kid. But then Gabe's, you know, sort of like he would do later, you know, officially just kind of said, like, no, 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 let me keep this guy, please. Like, I'm going to I can make this guy into something. Pr- trust me, I can. And he kind of did. He kind of did make him into something. And then NXT happened, and then you were like, all right, yeah, this guy might. But now it's – I don't know what it is. He is – he's bad. He's just brutal. Yeah, so there's something going on there. Um, look, Ray at this stage isn't exactly my favorite worker either. Um, I've had enough of Ray. I've had enough of Ray for a number of years now. I, I, I've i seen enough of Ray. I, yeah, I, I love Ray's shit for many decades. Um, I wouldn't – mind never watching him wrestle again i i don't need any more ray in my life but um it was shocking how much of a nothing match this really was and it's it's theory no question is moving backwards so i don't know it's weird i don't know what's going on with him and and i don't know if at some point they kind of pull the plug I, i i don't i don't know um, yeah, he seemed like a Vince pet project for a while, and now it's like I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't really know what we're doing here with this guy. So I don't even know if it's just the Vince thing. And he's twenty, he's twenty six too. He should start. He should be getting significantly better over these next couple of years. You know it's what I mean? Going the wrong direction, right? It's, At twenty six, you, know, you should really start getting good. You know what I mean? Like really getting good. And I don't think he's gonna get there. So this tag match. Should we talk People about Cody about- on uh, on 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 the Grayson Waller effect? I believe this happened in between oh, I this guess as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should, I guess. So, replacement so, level Miz came out and made fun of local sports team. And then replacement level Miz. <laughs> well, S- Skip Schumacher Miz came out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, you know, re- made fun of local dialects and local sports teams or whatever. And then where the hell were they even? I don't even remember where the fuck this thing was. Oh, Pittsburgh. They and then made fun Pittsburgh. of the Steelers and Made fun of Primanti yeah. Brothers or whatever the fuck he made fun of. I don't even remember what it was, yeah. but it was enough to, you know, ah, the Pirates stink. The Steelers I'm are Grayson bad. Grayson Walla, boy. <laughs> yeah. You right. put fries on your sandwiches, yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> put chips you know. on your sandwiches. What are you doing? <laughs> just, boy. Just terrible yeah. stuff, but it's it's exactly what they need and exactly what they want, which was ridiculous because Miz did the exact same thing like an hour before. It was like, the Steelers suck, so don't talk when I'm talking or whatever. And it was like, oh, my God, what are we doing? Why are we still doing local sports team shit? God. Uh, you know, I like the cheap heat, but I, I one guy, one guy could do the cheap heat thing on a show, right? You can't have the Miz. Yeah, it's got to be a little. It's got to be smart, too. Like what? Like. I don't know. Like, it, like you're gonna pick on the pirates? Like, what, what is that? <laughs> right, right. That's like, what I'm saying. They just do like insert local sports team here. Like, uh, and this team, they don't know any winners because they're in Pittsburgh. Or whatever. It's like I, I don't know. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's just titles. Yeah, it's just you know what I mean. It's like the lowest hanging fruit stuff. I agree. You, if you want to be fun with it, MJF always is good about it. The acclaimed are sometimes good about it. Like that sort of stuff works. But yeah, I, I think just doing like lowbrow. The pirates. <laughs> it's just like have that they, doesn't. Uh, yeah. Have they heard of Mario Lemieux? Right. How about, right, right. Well, how about Terry Bradshaw? He's got four of them. You know, 
the We Are Family Pirates. I mean, you know, yeah, I don't, Dave I Parker. Don't know yeah, the... no, Miss doesn't know anything about Dave Parker. You're right. I, well, yeah, seriously, what's he know about Willie Stargell and Manny Sanguian? <laughs> Probably not much. Probably not much. You know, no. but uh, but um, you know, it's like that's not really a great city to bang on for having a bad sports history, right? Right. I, I agree. Yeah. And then, like, we're like, oh, the Steelers, they're not going to do anything this year. And it's like, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we don't know. They might. They, they might. might. The season hasn't started yet. Depends how Pickett shakes out. You yeah. Know, yeah, Pickett? yeah. But you can't say that in the promo. That's not good. But anyway, so Grayson Waller. Uh, yeah, their coach has never had a losing season. And Tomlin has never had a losing season. Is that record. true? Wow. That's true. How do you walk into a city and make fun of the football team when the coach has been there 20 years and he's never had a losing record? That's not, you don't have much to work with. Rich is looking it up. He doesn't believe me. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sure see. you're true. I don't even care. I don't care enough. Yeah, Mike Tomlin. He's, I can't Listen, believe he's still sir, there. Yeah, he's been around there for a while. I host so. the NFL Intelligentsia. Right. Don't so you should know that. Don't ever question my facts. Yeah, you should know that. So Don't ever question me. Uh, anyway, Grayson Waller makes fun of local sports team. Uh, insert local sports team here. Uh, Cody, then, is his guest. And, and Cody uh, uh, endorses local sports team. <laughs> and then... Uh, Kind of sits there. They make side eyes at one another. Uh, Grayson Waller says, "Hey, you, you, you won a lot of your your career's been good, and then it's been bad, and then you lost at WrestleMania. You couldn't finish the story, and then Cody goes, hey, yeah, 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 and then just kind of announces that Jey Uso is on Raw now. Cool. Well, then Waller gets super kicked too. Yeah, great. Crowd goes nuts um, for Jay Uso on Raw. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> He's gone well, for a I, week. Yeah, like, they're like, oh my god, just... Jay Uso's on Raw. I can't believe it. I'm like, who uh, are like... these people? Who are they? Cut to guys with their hands on their head, like adult men, men, adult men with their hands on their head, going, I can't believe it. Jay Uso's on Raw. Like, who are these people? Like, I know these how you men have mortgages and families <laughs> and they're excited about jay uso on raw like excited and, and shocked like the, oh my god brand, are you kidding me <laughs> the brand split rich they believe in it <laughs> believe in the brand split uh, you These know how you always make men. that reference you always say like i don't know who these people are but i i you know and you always say i hate to say this but these people are probably just not intelligent people or just whatever they're they're but yeah, and then they, they cut to that guy, and it's like, yeah, it's the exact guy I know you're talking about. He's like a 35-year-old guy, hands yeah. on head, like, <gasps> it's like, really? <laughs> this is... Looks like a nice guy. <laughs> right, I know nothing right? about this guy. I'm sure he's, I'm, like you like said. a normal guy. I bet he's got a dog. I bet he's got a mortgage. He's probably got two kids. You know, he told the probably wife. sells insurance or something. <laughs> right, right. He's like a good insurance you know? broker. He's like, honey. I'm going to the PPG Paint Arena or whatever to watch, you know, payback. To enjoy some payback. Right. Absolutely. And then, yeah, you know, he's, he's here for the Grayson Waller effect, hand on chin, like, oh, I wonder where this is going. And right. then, you know, <laughs> day one, do, do, day one comes out. He's just like, what? His mind's oh blown. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Jay Uso didn't really quit. <laughs> he's now on Raw. It's like, what? He's 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 doing fantasy matchups in his head. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, God. Raw superstars, right? Because <laughs> right. you know he calls them superstars. Yeah, right. He's like, oh, my God. Chad Gable and Jay Uso. <laughs> oh, the po- possibilities are endless. He, oh, my God. Jay Uso on, on Raw? Oh, hands on the head. <laughs> Just... oh, couldn't wait to get home and tell the wife who does not care. 
Right. The wife. <laughs> Trying to put the babies care. to bed. He walks in, the baby wakes up or whatever, because you know, he opened the door because the dog started yeah. barking and then the baby woke up. She's like, What? 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 He's like, You're not gonna believe yeah. it, honey. Sit down. You know, she, yeah. and she's trying to rock the baby back to sleep or whatever. <laughs> Which I can relate to. Like I'll bust into a room and be like, Brittany, Brittany, Ellie hit for the cycle. She'll be like, That's nice, honey. She don't care. She don't know what that means. No. That's like this guy. He runs home to say, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> Jay Uso's on Raw. You know, that's nice, honey. That, that's great. You know, but it, it, it looks like just a He's going to be able to do the Wrestle Judgment Day. He's going to be able to be him and Damian Priest. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he probably bangs his wife twice a week like the rest of us. Just a normal guy living life, paying his bills. Right? Probably drives a Mazda. And here he is, all excited about <laughs> Jay Uso on Raw. <laughs> Who are these people? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's crazy. They exist. No? They exist. They're out there. I don't know. I don't get it. This Sunday, he's going to settle down with his terrible towel, watch little Steelers. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, maybe a bowl of chips. Got to have the bowl of chips. Maybe a sandwich with the fries on it. And he's just, a, you know, but yet. He's excited his yingling, about his bottle of yingling. He's going to crack open a bottle of yingling. and, and yeah. Absolutely the yingling. It's incredible. <laughs> you know, I... I <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm laughing at something in the chat. I, I know you won't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's the train, the model trains thing, right? Yeah, the, yeah. yeah Bobby Bacala talking about his son in the model trains. He don't care. <laughs> Then he gets shot to death. <laughs> As uh, Sue Williams uh, correctly points out in a note of chat room, uh, Miz and Ellie Knight was in a promotional match. So the uh, the, the brand split, uh, yeah, does not. Uh... That's my point. Like, they still believe in the brand split. <laughs> right. how, do you, how do you have a job and a life and a healthy sex life with your wife and kids and a dog? <laughs> and you're like, raw superstars <laughs> versus SmackDown yeah. superstars. Like, Yeah. One minute you're getting the big promotion at work. You're throwing a stick to the fucking golden retriever in the backyard. You're getting your mail. You're paying all your bills on time. You're calling your mom on her birthday. Yet you still believe in the brand split. <laughs> Call them superstars. You still believe in the brand split. I, I, I it, it's, it's confounding to me. Your hands are on your head because Jay Uso's coming to Raw. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I, I tell you what, Jey Uso really did come across like a star. He didn't at SummerSlam. SummerSlam was a fucking bomb for that man. That main event, he did not come across like a star. These people were like doing his fucking, like his, 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 his taunts and everything. Like they were in it. They loved it. all Because he does like the strut when he comes down to the ring thing. Yeah. He sticks his legs out and bounces and... Says day one a lot, and yeah, they were all in. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> there were I just 18, don't get it. How many people were at this fucking show? Fourteen thousand people, something like that. Uh, thirteen thousand fourteen were at the show. Fourteen thousand of this guy excited about Jay. Day so one. <laughs> day still one. Still believing in the brand split. Right. Still, still believing in the brand split. 
oh man, this company's got the magic. Cody, touch. Cody pulled off a miracle. He got, and he even said like, I had to pull some uh, strings because of my uh, status oh, yes, in the company, yes. and I did it to get Jey Uso to Raw. <laughs> okay. Well, I, never mind the fact that Jey Uso orchestrated screwing Cody out of the title at WrestleMania. Ah, water under the bridge. It's fine. Ah, of course, of course. I know when someone prevents me of completing the dream of my father, <laughs> I uh, forget about it in three months. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Z brings up a great ch- uh, point in the note of chat room. You're going to be that guy when he has a red T-shirt at Survivor Series. <laughs> Just think about that, Joe. Jey yeah. Uso in a red shirt at Survivor Series. You'll, you'll, you'll be. That's a you'll, good point. You'll be, you'll be. Right, he's representing the red brand. Yeah, you absolutely. Just, you'll see. Um. How many weeks before Jay Uso appears on SmackDown? <laughs> four. four. Over or five. under is four and a half. Four and a half. I'm gonna take the under. I'm gonna take the under on that. I'm gonna take the under. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, man. Well. Well, here's, here's the tag match that everybody liked that we're gonna hate. Yes. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, people are loving this tag. I, I gotta tell you. Um I was bored out of my mind watching this tag. Yeah, just, just contrived. Just WWE contrived. weapons, kendo uh, sticks, and... 19 people running in, and, it you know, basically five on... T- How many people are in the Judgment Day? Four, uh, you five? got Finn Balor, Dom, Damian Priest, yeah. Rhea, and then the final, J.D. McDonough, who I think... I don't know if he's an official member or just kind of a... Uh, yeah, um, he just he showed up and got put through a table and whatever. So there's like five on two... Just silly. And then you know where they lost me? You know where they lost me. Was Owens it the barricade? And Zane emerging with the Penguins jerseys. Oh, yeah, Ugh. for the Chief. Ugh. Yeah, Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Ugh. Kevin Stevens. Ugh. Gross. Tom Barrasso. Yeah. Ugh. Gross. Yeah, it's so, it's yeah, so I, I know. And for some people that, like, made the match for them, and, and God bless those people, but for me, I was just nah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm out, yeah. That fucking stinks. It's not as bad as Sue driving up in a minivan, but, <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it it's close. But Do you, yeah, do you just, want the best? Do you want the best cage match review I found? I would love the best All right, cage do you have, match. Do you have a, uh, a basket or a receptacle nearby? <laughs> uh... No. Okay. The answer is no. All right. 10.0 from uh, Felipe Talks Wrestling. Quote, finally, WWE did a good tribute to Terry Funk. Oh, my God. You Oh, I'm going to fucking punch the wall. <laughs> I told you to. Yeah, I guess punch a wall. I, I suppose I should have. Yeah, you can punch a wall, barf into a, a bag or a, a, a trash can or something. Uh, this was a thousand times better than the SmackDown match. That was, I guess, an homage to Terry Funk. I don't know even know what they're talking about. With some insane spots and Kevin Owens being the MVP of the match, taking crazy bumps. I gave the stadium stampede 10 out of 10, and I thought the two matches were pretty similar. And even preferring the stampede one, this was 7.5 stars at least, in my opinion. But then he gave it a 10, which is the highest rating you can give. So anyway. Yeah, they did a Terry Funk tribute match on SmackDown. Um, I don't even remember who was in it. And the crowd just chanted, we want tables the whole time. Oh, and yeah, just like Terry Funk would. Yeah, just like in all the Terry Funk matches where they just chanted, we want tables the yeah. entire time. Yeah. But, um, you know, basic, boring-ass WWE, quote-unquote, hardcore match that they did. No, look, I, I can understand why people liked this. No, I just, I, I, you know, as I was watching it, I was like, I, I get 
why some people are going to like this, but they're hitting each other with kendo sticks. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I don't uh, yeah, care. I'm still over it. And then Rhea puts him through the barricade. And I'm like, I, now I really don't care. <laughs> like this yeah, is just every match I've spots. seen. If you've, if, if you just joined this planet today and, and, and watch this match, then yes, maybe this was good. You just started watching wrestling yesterday. And this is the first match you saw. You'd probably think it was good. How could you watch all these WWE shows, all the ones that I know all these people do and still enjoy this when it was every single plunder, match you've ever seen from that company every single one is exactly the same yeah i you know and again i watched this after all out i i just can't compare to the strap match or that moxley match so i don't know we just don't get this company no. it's clear it, it, we, we, we it. we've deviated greatly from this um, but uh yeah there are multiple people saying this is a terry funk tribute match these people need to watch terry funk matches i'm sorry well look at the history they're taught god damn it you know <laughs> um a lot of sue defenders in the chat yeah I'm don't don't never... yeah don't don't rag on sue they don't like it i'm not backpedaling on that sue sucks i'm so tired of sue and her stupid minivan just come on i don't care about any of these people's mothers Okay, not a single one of them. She could drive off a cliff for all I'm concerned. She should take that minivan right off a cliff. <laughs> wow. Um, so who's going to bake cookies for the uh, AEW backstage roster? Oh, well, yeah, okay, the character. I don't want the real Sue to drive off a cliff. I see, I see, I see. You don't want Sue Beretta. You, you want, you know, she can still no, bake cookies I'm for everybody. I'm sure she's on. a lovely woman, but there's a lot of lovely people I don't want on my wrestling shows. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Just want to clarify, you don't want the actual suit to drive off a cliff. That would yeah, you know how these people are. They're going to claim I want the woman to be dead. Um, Rhea Ripley, Raquel Rodriguez, Ugh. another nothing match. Boring I mean, as fuck. Holy Why did this have to go shit. 17 minutes? Why Good doesn't Rhea just beat her in Lord, was minutes? this boring. God. Just dreadfully boring. Just awful. Can we just skip right through it? Yeah. What do you say about this match? I have nothing, nothing to add. happened at all. I have nothing to add. Seth freaking Rollins defending the title against Shinsuke Nakamura. The story here was Shinsuke knows this man has a bad back. I kind of like this story, by the way. And he's going to target that back. And, you know, freaking isn't very freaking these days. Mm-mm. He's more like a, you know, he has to do the song because that's really what's over. The song is over more than he is. And the sing along and all that. So he can't drop that. You know, this was a 25-minute match. And, like, on minute 17, there was still 3,000 people going, oh, like in the catacombs of the arena. Like, you know. And then they go home and throw a stick to their golden receiver and pay their bills. (laughs) Right. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's Um, unbelievable. So so, um, So their golden doodle. Their fucking golden doodle. Give them a a greenie to their golden doodle. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, he's got to keep the song and everything, but he's he's more of like a humanized character now. He's like, yeah, I'm a guy with a family and a bad back and just trying to retain my fake title. You know, my contrived, created title because Roman doesn't want to lose any of it. That I both out of character um, and in character have addressed as being a fake title. But anyway. Correct. So, um, you know, and then Nakamura works over his back. And, you know, I the work in this match I enjoyed. I thought the work was good. I thought Nakamura uh, was very focused in his attacks on Rollins' back. 
The problem with this match is it was dreadfully boring. That was the problem with this match. It never kicked into a next gear. And it was just kind of there. And it was like a, I don't know, three and a quarter star match or something that was well worked and told the right story. But um, just it was 25 minutes going on 25 days. And it was just boring. Mm -hmm. It had no juice. So I don't know. There was, it didn't excite me. Nothing came from it. Rollins hits the curb stomp, pins the guy. We send everybody home. It felt like the crowd was waiting for something. Yeah, they were waiting for that it, next gear, and then he just won, and then it was just over, and they were like, oh, yeah. all right, well. And then in the post-match, it felt like they were waiting, like, is there an angle? Or was it? No, no. Go home. Go go, <laughs> go give that greenie to your golden doodle. <laughs> go walk the dog, because right. we're done here. We're done here. At the at the PPG fucking arena, whatever it's called. <laughs> I think it's the um, PPG Paint Arena or Paints Arena or whatever. Uh, PPG Paints Arena. Yes. 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 Uh, Sue Williams did the review for our website for some reason. I told him not to um, many times. I saw him this weekend several times and I told him, do not do that. And then he did it. So, um, great point in his last paragraph. And I wanted to, I wanted to read it word for word. Voicesofwrestling.com, by the way, uh, for the review from Sue Williams says, quote, uh, meanwhile, Rollins put on another world title match on pay-per-view that only ended up being good instead of great. For a guy who talks a ton about wanting to be a top guy and the best in the world, he never comes through at that level when given the opportunity. Tell me, what's Seth Rollins' match of the year contender? What's his resume compared to guys like Omega or Osprey? Hell, how does his run as the babyface fighting champion compare to that of Orange Cassidy? You can talk all the talk, but when it comes to being the best wrestler in the world, Rollins rarely walks the walk. Yeah, Rollins is is his output is not the output of someone who's one of the best wrestlers in the world. No, and, and people put him in that category or say that he well, could... here's the thing. The vast majority of the people putting him in that category aren't watching wrestling. They're watching this company. Right. And, and there's and they're sprinkling in a little AEW. So that that is the vast majority of the people who are putting him in that category. Uh, you know, if you're watching worldwide wrestling and really watching it, his output now c- could he be? Yeah, I think he could be. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he could. Be. I don't know. I think he's had plenty of opportunities to have those types of matches in this company. Sure, and that you know he's no lock if you put him in another environment, but he could be. But based on his output, you can't realistically put him in that conversation. The output just doesn't doesn't say that it's so. And I'm someone who loved the Cody series loved it I thought those matches were all fantastic but there's just not a ton of meat on the bones in terms of Seth Rollins output and you know this match while well worked and telling the right story and all of those things and you know I'll even say this much I thought that the body part work in terms of the relation to the story was better in this match than Omega Takeshita I thought Omega Takeshita got a little too let's do some moves and got away from Takeshita attacking the body parts. I agree. That's um, what we, that's what we said on Sunday too. It, it 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 I knew what they were going for and it it just didn't yeah, it didn't quite it didn't feel like it no. enough to me. And and but at the same time the other difference is Omega Takeshita was exciting and 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 a, a legitimate great match despite the minor flaws. This wasn't exciting and wasn't anywhere near being a great match. This was kind of just there. It had no second gear. 
it barely got you know, had a first gear just you know you know this whole show this payback show really just felt like an episode of raw or something yeah it was very sleepy yeah and that's it's it's one of the phenomenons with modern wwe in a lot of ways is that the crowds go nuts for the entrances we talked about this a couple weeks ago and this is it, it continues to remain true and i think the workers are working to that as well other than other than trish and becky who i think worked their at work their asses off to make their match as good as possible but most other people realize like you come out you do your entrance, everybody cheers, everybody goes nuts, everybody sings the song, they say your catchphrase, and the mat, the bell rings, and the crowds don't care. They don't care. They do not care about the bell to bell. They're not invested in the matches themselves. I mean, the 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 Owens and, and Zayn and, and Judgment Day one, the crowd was into that one, but that was being played for, you know, kind of explicitly getting fan reactions, getting the table out when the fans chant about the tables, you know, doing the, the jerseys, like doing all the bells and whistles to get the crowd invested. But how often were the, was the crowd actually quite literally invested in who was going to win or lose that match for any? No, they really weren't. I mean, they just cared about, you know, the, 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 the idea that these guys were doing, you know, cool things and doing cool stuff and, and pandered to them or whatever. But I don't know. It's just, yeah, it, it was a very sleepy pay-per-view. Once the entrances were done, Bell rang, and it was just kind of like everybody working for 15 minutes and then getting out of there. And that, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it definitely it was not easy to watch. I'll, I'll say that. It was it definitely no, it was, um, it was a chore. It wasn't the hardest slog ever but with, with these pay-per-views, but it wasn't, man. You know, because I, I think because neither one of us really liked the tag street fight deal, that really made it a particularly – rough watch because that you know there were three or four matches there were four matches on this show to me that were just basic ass dull tv matches you know the la night thing the theory match the women's title match which my god and then the main event which was an okay television main event that was not a pay-per-view quality no no it perfectly like you said a perfectly well-worked match that everybody was waiting for myself included like all right let's Let's get into that high gear. And then it just ended. And that's, you know, on Nakamura too. He's not a very good worker these days anyway. But I thought his 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 offense was good. You know, his I, I thought the the build was good. I, I I liked a lot of it. I was expecting, okay, here we go. Like this is a big spot for Seth. And Nakamura hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities to have these sort of spots. So let's see what happens. And then they just had a very perfunctory 17-minute match, and then it was done. And I was like, oh, all right, well, cool. And like you said, everyone's like, all right, well, now what's next? And then the pay-per-view went off the air. And it's like, oh, go home. You're done. Yeah, no, yeah, not 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 a show I'll ever think about again. No, God, no. So, uh, no, I clicked out of the old Peacock and said that was Payback 2023, and I'm going to talk about it in the show, and then I will never, ever, ever think about it ever again. So the Vic Payback. Yep. The Vic Payback. That's that. Uh, so we got about half an hour left in the show here. We'll do some quick hitter topics here before we uh, we we go. Uh, the CM Punk termination stuff. Obviously, if you want to hear us break that down uh, at, at length. Uh, we did that during our instant reaction live for AEW All Out on Sunday. So the first hour or so of that instant reaction live uh, is pretty much all about the punk situation at the time, termination, our thoughts on it. Uh, I have really nothing new to say that I didn't say on Sunday. I'm not sure if you did. Uh, we've had some some new reports and stuff come out, but it's it's been a lot of junk, really. It, it's been mostly, I don't know. You, you know, it's it's. Uh, I'll mention some of them here, but has anything kind of changed for you in, since Sunday, or are we at the same place you were at? Then. No, of course not. The only thing that has changed for me is um, there's a lot of people making fools of themselves 
a lot of people oh yeah <laughs> in, in the wrestling media are really making absolute and utter fools of themselves uh with some of their uh and i'm not even talking about cornet and the completely out of line and out of bounds uh intimations that uh mega perique i don't know if i'm pronouncing their last name correctly but everyone knows what i'm talking about um and, and and some of the intimations he's making regarding her which are completely out of line awful yeah vile. disgusting yeah, and absolutely vile brian last cannot publish that i mean but you know whatever i'm not even talking about that cornet's a provocateur we know that uh he went too far there but um i'm talking about you know even people that you would consider reasonable members of the wrestling media who are getting swept up in the cm punk uh whack job conspiracy theories and and such and they're 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 just embarrassing themselves is what's happening and yeah a lot, a lot of ass someone, showing a lot of ass showing over this a lot last of ass way. showing and you know i'm someone who probably has been more i don't know if sympathetic is the right word but more willing to see punk side on a lot of these issues than most than most other pundits i mean uh, i've gotten a lot of heat from the extreme anti-punk crowd for being too pro-punk uh, I feel like I've just tried my best to go out of my way to be fair as possible when it comes to all of this since Brawl Out. And I really related to Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez when Dave said that at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, he'd probably been too lenient and too easy on Punk. I really related to that because in the interest of attempting to be super fair, you know, I probably have been too. So with all of that said, I'm someone who has really tried hard to see things punk see things punk's way. But there's still no disputing that he had to go. Right. And I, I figured this is an open and shut case. I, I figured after everything that we we even just the baseline of what we know, I figured at this point, it would be an open and shut case, and nobody would possibly have any thoughts about it. I, I honestly, for whatever reason, on Sunday thought that, that okay, even the most ardent fans have to say, ah, you know what? Yeah, I, I get it. I get, I get why this had to happen. This wasn't going to work, and it had to end, and, and, and you know what? This is how it was good, always going to end anyway, so you know what? Whatever. It ended. And then this week happened, and I was like, oh, my God, what is happening? You know, I think that if you're someone who genuinely believes that the, the media – whether it's Dave Meltzer or whoever else, because Sean Ross Sapp has gotten some of this too, but not to the extent that Dave has gotten it. If or, or Brian Alvarez. If you're someone who thinks that the media is the reason that CM Punk was fired and CM Punk is not the reason he was fired. And if you're someone who thinks that this was some vast conspiracy theory involving Tony Khan, the Young Bucks, Dave Meltzer, the chief legal officer to, of the, the Jaguars, chief legal officer to eradicate CM Punk from the company. I, I don't know if there's a polite way I can put it, but I feel like I, I think you're probably it's hard for me to wrap around that. You're not so dumb that you remember to breathe. I mean, you can't be more stupid if you truly honestly believe any of those things. Now, if I suspect that the vast majority of the people who have those kinds of thoughts um, 
are just hardcore people who can't who don't like the young bucks and don't like tony khan and don't like AEW and don't like dave Meltzer. and no matter what news emerges no matter what happens with any of these scenarios they're going to find a way to uh present it in a way that's favorable to punk or more importantly unfavorable to all those people i just named and you know those people should just be outright ignored for you know being complete idiots but it's the people in the wrestling media who have gotten swept up in some of this that is really disappointing to me and it it, it really it, it changes the way i view a lot of these people it honestly does i mean you, you can't there's been a lot of masks uh, taken off uh, this week as well i said people showing their ass and there's been a lot of like okay you've you're completely irrational uh, about this thing for whatever reason like why why are you choosing this thing to to get as passionate as you are and as you know ridiculous as you are and as conspiracy conspiracy minded as you are there's so i mean I, I could not believe some of the stuff that i was reading and i want to name names you know completely but there was enough stuff this week that i was just like what are you talking about what world are you living in why are you thinking this yeah i you know it's uh we could rattle off specific examples i don't even think it's worth it i mean some of these takes out there are just so completely off the the the, the grid of of being anything within reality that it's it's just stunning to see what some of these people think to think that cm punk got any kind of raw deal at all when the fact of the matter is the last thing tony khan ever wanted to do was fire this guy i mean look at the lengths they went to keep him around and to try to make it something that was sustainable and it just wasn't and accommodated him at every turn you want a steal back every fine turn. we'll give a steal back you want your own show fine we'll give you your own show you want to be in control of that show fine you can be in control of that show you want certain talents on that show fine you can have certain talents on that show you don't want certain people at the show fine you can't have certain people at the show like these are so many accommodations <laughs> what the fuck like that, nobody else would get this you know it, it's like and even that that still wasn't enough all that yeah, was yeah, still well, not once, enough. Once you revert to everyone's lying and it's a conspiracy, I, I have to tune you out. Right. Th that's really what it comes down to. You sound like a lunatic. You know, Dave Meltzer is a liar. All right, well, Dave Meltzer didn't fire the guy. Do you think Tony Khan is sitting back waiting for his observer to arrive yeah. so he can read what, what happened and then make a decision? <laughs> yeah, what? CM Punk did what? <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, well, that's it. You know, it he puts down his paper observer and goes, oh, well, that's it. He, gets, he still gets it in the mail, I'm sure, you know, um, and, and, and puts it down and goes, oh, my God, I, I, I got to do this. I got to do this. I can't believe what I'm reading in this, 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 this sheet of paper I have here. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's... Uh... Maybe if it were earlier in the show or another day, I'd have more passion. For I don't have the energy for it because I'm reading these things and I'm just I, like, you're all unhinged maniacs. And I'm not I, I think it's like unbecoming to even waste my time arguing some of the points that are being made by some of those people. Because it's just a lot like of ways. Yeah, I mean, it's and then it's like the oh, Tony Khan is such a baby and what a pussy and he can't deal with a little bit of fighting and he can't deal with this. And then, yeah, you he, get did. The... he literally did deal with a little bit of fighting, <laughs> a lot of fighting. Um. You know, you know, the the whole idea, this other thing, too, where it's, you know, as EVPs, they need to be professional and meet with someone 
if uh, if they want to meet with them. Yeah. Oh, you know the last. Oh, that take. You know, yeah, that was Raj. We it, could mention that take. That take fucking sucked. So there's a lot of people have had that take. You know, the last time that the EVPs met with him, he beat them up and threw chairs at them. <laughs> right. He said, "Come to my come to my locker room if you have a problem." So they came to his locker room, and then he threw chairs at them, and they all had a, got a giant yeah, big fight. They, they tried that once, and they got attacked. <laughs> and you know. By every account, including the accounts from Punk's side, they attacked first. So it's like, what are we doing here? And here's the other thing. Before anybody wants to talk about EVPs being professional and 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 doing their jobs and, and meeting with people, let's set aside the fact that they've already been attacked by this man or at minimum gotten a fight with the guy. Um, You can't come at me with that until you could explain to me what the Bucks' job as EVPs entails. Do they normally deal with conflict resolution? Is that part of their job? Um, because if not, then that argument doesn't fly. There are, I've worked for plenty of companies where there were tons of people with fancy titles who I had no business speaking with ever because they didn't deal with 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 my department or... You know, and, and this idea that you should just be able to force a meeting with people in a company because they have a title is utter nonsense. Just because you want like to. Just because you yeah. want to. <laughs> hey, I want to talk to the CEO. Like if that yeah. CEO doesn't talk to me, that guy sucks. <laughs> it's like, well, that, that, yeah. that guy is not entitled it, to meet with you. <laughs> that sounds like it's coming from a bunch of, bunch of mouth-breathing idiots who never worked with a, uh, with a company that had this kind of structure. That's what it sounds right. like. That, that'd be from. me fighting with the CFO and saying, I demand the CEO talks to me. <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah. Like, well, first of all, you, you and the CFO would have been fired right. when you fought. Punk was lucky to still have his job. They all were. This idea that they had to meet with him because they're EV. <laughs> yeah, and and they, they should lose their titles if they're not willing to meet with talent. These are token titles that they were given at the beginning <laughs> right. of the company to coax them to start the company and not go to WWE. You know, that's what those titles are. Those titles are token titles. So that they're employees and not contractors, and they make more money than everyone else because the company was built around them. That's what that is. Now, if someone wants to prove to me that part of the Bucks' job as EVPs, right? They they, pu- they punch, in, yeah. They and get into the office and 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 human resources, and they get the daily email digest of all the human resources uh, issues that that floated in the last week and go, oh, Nick, can you believe this? We got to we got to handle this, yeah just taking any angle to try to make punk sympathetic here right let alone the fact that nobody knows the legalities of why all of these people were let back and what the circumstances were of all of these people brought back from suspension and not fired there were it's very probable that there were agreements in place where these guys couldn't be in the same room and every time punk tried to meet the the bucks lawyers would say no Everyone agrees on that. And yeah, there was I the one attempt that... to float that the that a meeting was supposed to happen, but then very quickly that got floated that no, 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 no. Punk yeah. thought the meeting should happen, but the Bucks never agreed to that meeting. Well, okay. Well, here's the thing. Even if that's the truth, who cares? Right. What, what, what difference does it no make? They have no obligation to talk to this guy. Yeah. They don't want to. What difference does it make if the Bucks agreed and then 
changed their mind at the advice of their lawyer or whatever came to their senses. I don't believe that that's true. I never heard that. I heard that punk tried to meet with them and was rejected multiple times. And I heard about the meeting, the alleged meeting where FTR was meeting with the bucks to work out their program. And punk wanted in on that. The justification being collision is my show. And these are two of my main eventers. And if we're discussing creative, I need to be in the room. And that was rejected. Those are the stories I heard. I never heard a story that they agreed to a meeting and then changed their minds. It could have happened. And I don't even think like that's so what if it did? He attacked him with a chair. So I, I, well, I the best part is a lot of those are always like qualified with like, if this was a normal workplace and it's like, first off, he attacked people with a chair and fought his coworkers. Like they, and had, they had a massive brawl and none of the people got fired. So it's, it's not, not a, a normal, nor- first workplace. off, it's not a normal workplace. So stop that immediately. It's not a normal workplace. And, and yeah, then, you know, it wasn't a normal workplace at any point after that. So stop, please. <laughs> it's not. And as for your Dave Sharers of the world. Oh, like, dear ah, God. That guy. People should just stop paying attention to that guy. I, I, yeah, he's, he's, something, he's, there's something wrong with yeah, him. Yeah, something he's, is actually wrong with that guy. His whole take of, well, Punk Khan uh, uh, must be a pussy who's never been in a fight if he feared yep. for his life. Mm-hmm. Two things. Number one, I've seen Dave Sharer in person many times going back 30 years. He's not exactly Vanderlei Silva. Okay, let's let let me just put it that way. Okay, uh, he's not he don't he's not someone who's been in a bevy of street fights. Okay, trust me. Uh, number two, who the fuck are you to tell somebody whether they felt in danger? Or not? Right, I, I hate. I, I was I was you really uncomfortable there. by the amount of people saying like, oh, pff, he thought that was uncomfortable. He should see what it's like to be here or do this or ah, back in my day, yeah, sort of stuff. And it's like you have no unless you saw the fucking video footage, you have no idea. What, what transpired, but enough transpired where he was able to float that to the legal team of AEW and everybody else in AEW, and they were able to say, we could fire this guy with cause. So I don't know. I, I wasn't in the room either, so I can't say, but it was enough for him to say that. And, and yeah, for the fact that this guy can come out in the air and say, I, I felt threatened for my life, and I also did not think the production, I, I thought everybody else backstage, I thought all our workers did not belong in that atmosphere, it'll belong to be trust, treated that way, or, or whatever exact wording was. But yeah, for people to shit on that and just go, oh my god, I want a load of this guy, like, I'm sorry, that, that, that sucks. I, I don't like that at all. Yeah, and you know what? If Tony, if Tony Khan's never been in a fight, good for him. Like, what kind of a put-down is that? Right. It's so Good. weird. It came across so weird, yeah. this stuff. Then you know what? He's lived a better life than me. I've been in a few. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it, it's if he's never experienced that. And, and, and again, you weren't there. You don't know what this guy, the, what you, we don't know what the lunging was. Which Dave says is, is. Putting it lightly. A charitable description of what happened. What if he did put his hands on him? You know, it's ridiculous. And um, 
I don't know. I think it, it, just let these people make fools of themselves. Right. It, yeah, it, now now you know who they are. They've they've shown themselves. Yeah. Now you're aware of them, and now you can decide what to do with them in the future. If you like to continue to acknowledge them and read their stuff and listen to their stuff and follow them, yeah, knock yourself out. But now you know what they are. I wish Punk. Look, I don't. I, I don't want it. I didn't want it. I wish Punk was around. I like when Punk's That's around. That's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. One of my favorite wrestlers. The reason this website exists is because of CM Punk. But I mean, you, you know, you you just you, you can't delve in the conspiracy stuff. That's where you lose me. Yeah. And this is the guy, like, you know what I mean? Like this guy, he wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire, man. This is the guy you're gonna spend all weekend defending. Hey, listen. Neither party would. Neither party. They don't. Neither party gives a shit about you. <laughs> and you're gonna spend all weekend defending the the the. You know, if you're on a buck side too, it's like Jesus Christ. These are professional wrestlers. They don't give a fuck about you. Wasting all your fucking weekend. My my philosophies for pro wrestling line up with punks. You know, I I, I think it'd be a, a better company if he if he was making some of the creative decisions and and those sorts of things. But with all of that said, this was untenable. We've been we've been saying that all along. Right. It was going to explode and erupt at some at a certain point, and 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 it did, and, and it, unavoidable. It, it did ex- in a spectacular fashion. Unavoidable. And. If it wasn't Jack Perry that night, it may have been the Bucks. I think that prevented an incident, possibly. Yeah, probably a couple hours later, later. probably would have happened. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, I'm sure there'll be some lawsuits and and everything else, but uh, the, the way that AW has crossed their T's and dot their eyes legally, I'm sure they've done everything they can to protect themselves. Obviously, the cons can afford the the best lawyers money can buy. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't so. know if I'd want to get into a lawsuit. Last time uh, Punk got in, related to a lawsuit with a company that has more money than him, he he ended up pretty uh, financially not not secure. So yeah, I don't know if maybe uh, hey, won the he he won the case. But, yeah, but it's it still yeah it, it it ruined a friendship and led to a lot of stress. So I, I don't know. Fall out. Yeah, I don't know if he wants to do that know, again. But uh, uh, you know, and they, they seem to have been very prudent legally every step of the way, knowing that obviously lawsuits are going to be a possibility here. But I'm I'm sure he signed documentation saying that any kind of physical, I, you know, I'm, that's speculation, but I think it's fair speculation. Um, you know, so I don't know. I just a lot of people have really I, lost the plot on this one. And I think it really is based on emotion and not intellect. I think that's where a lot of these takes are coming from. They're coming from an emotional place. Yeah. And and there's a lot of people that that are doing the like uh, you know. Oh well, that's a hundred percent Punk's fault, right? And nobody, very few people are saying that. The people that are saying it's a hundred percent anyone's listen, fault. You yeah. have your, you've got your hardcore of anti-punk people who, you know, if you say anything that forget something positive about Punk, if you're not a hundred percent negative on Punk, they get on your case. I've had it happen to me. So, but, but, but yes, your, your point though, it's causing these people to then say like, oh, it's actually okay right. that he tried to beat up his boss because sometimes it's the buck's fault too. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, what are you right. doing? Like, like, where, what dots are you connecting here? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? These are some leaps you're taking. Right. Like, oh, it's all hundred percent punk's fault, right? He can't even grab his you know, boss and they won't even meet with him. So no, that doesn't justify his other actions. <laughs> right. right. These so-called EVPs won't even meet with him, so of course he's going to lash out. Okay. 
you, you still can't lash out. I don't know what to tell you, man. Like you can't do that at any job. Sorry. Yeah. But um, yeah. So there you go. Uh, some of the fun uh scoops and, and and stuff that came out. Um, those close to Punk said that he was open to leaving AEW in December of 2022 to go back to WWE. But uh, little problem. Uh, we don't know whether AEW would let him do that or if WWE wanted to bring him back. So that was a uh, problem there. Uh, Dave Meltzer said that uh, Fox did want Punk back proper when they signed him up for that WWE backstage thing, uh, but that Vince McMahon nixed that idea, so he just stayed on on WWE backstage for the short amount of time that he was on there. Uh, Punk also wanted to appear at the Royal Rumble. He wanted to uh, be eliminated by Kevin Owens and set up a WrestleMania match between Kevin Owens. The one problem, uh, I don't think Kevin Owens wants to do that. Okay, <laughs> so. that's that. Can I just say that's an extremely old story? I don't know how that got unearthed or why that was. Because now we're just like we're searching new. for anything. We're just searching for any fucking Punk thing we can find. It's just that that was such old news. I mean, I don't remember if we talked about it, but you know, during the first suspension or whatever, yeah, that was that was floated. Um, and it never really got passed, and it was never seriously considered. Right. He probably thought it was a great involved. idea, but I don't know if anybody else involved in the situation yeah, like thought Tony it was a great. Khan was just gonna say roll out a red carpet to fucking. Uh, oh, you want to go with the Rumble? St- yeah, sure, go Stanford to the Rumble and say, yeah. yeah, no, I mean that that you know, and that's an old story anyway. I don't, I don't understand why or how that one got unearthed. Uh. So that was a long shot that that was going to happen at the uh, Royal Rumble. Speaking of long shots, uh, new NWA World Heavyweight Champion EC3 said Punk would be a, quote, game changer for the National Wrestling Alliance. You know what? I think he's right. The, well, the overman isn't wrong. I mean, of <laughs> I course he would be. He is right. Uh, PW Insider reported, I love that this was an actual story, quote, there is excitement within Impact Wrestling at the possibility of Punk working there. You know what? Even after all this, he'll never do it. But if he would do it, of course you absolutely. Bring him in. If I'm any indie, and and there was a, I, I don't know what this indie was. It was it's in our Discord, but some podunk indie. I think it was some rest, some some southern wrestling indie. I don't even know what it was. Was like we've extended an open invitation to see a punk to show up at our show this Sunday. <laughs> da, 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 or whatever. I love that. I love that. That's old school carny shit. Impact saying yes, we would love to have punk come to Impact and PW Insider reporting. Impact Wrestling would really like Punk to come. Like I love that shit. Easy, everybody should do this. Every indie in the world should say, "Ah, we would love to have CM Punk come and wrestle for us," because they would and they should. <laughs> so, but uh, yes, you see, the, the Overman is right. CM Punk would be a game changer uh, for the National Wrestling Alliance. And yes, I indeed think that there's. A, hey, you know what? Bound for Glory is in October in Chicago, Joe. He was there at the last. He was at the last Impact show backstage. He did visit Impact. Uh, 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 just saying. In fact, in fact, he did. That is, uh, um, you know the. So who knows? So but, was Mercedes. Uh, I don't know if she's showing up, but you never, never say never. Never say never. Uh, Ace Steel is gone, by the way. He uh, was released by AEW today. Uh, he, uh, oh, well, PW yeah. Insider said, the plan was for Steel to work as Punk's coach slash producer, but when it came time for AEW Collision to be announced, uh, the company made the decision that Steel would not be allowed to physically work on site at the tapings. This, of course, uh, caused a, a much publicized delay uh, in Punk's return being formally announced and advertised. And then the two sides agreed that Steel could work remotely via Zoom calls. Uh, they also note that, quote, there had been talk over the last month that AEW, AEW was look, looking into sp- a space in Florida for Steel to train and work with talents, but that obviously will not come to pass. They, the retread of the Steel Dominion uh, in Florida here, so uh, did not come to 
come to pass, unfortunately. Well, if your job is specifically to produce segments for CM Punk and CM Punk no longer works for the company, then it would seem as though, as our European friends would say, you are redundant. Yes. So uh, that is the and, end. Uh, you, you need to go. Um, I will say that uh, for those saying Tony Khan has poor leadership skills for the way he has handled CM Punk, that is in fact correct. But I agree. It is not it is not correct in the way that these people think it is. These people think it's poor leadership that he uh, fired CM Punk and didn't force the meetings and all of those things. Uh, the poor leadership came in the form of bending over too far backwards to acquiesce this man and it right. almost, accommodating uh, him at every step and, and, and never, yes, never solving any leadership. of the issues, never solving any of the issues. And that, that applies to the elite correct. too. never getting those guys in a room and saying, fucking figure this shit out. All right. We're not leaving this room until you guys figure it out. You know what? And if you don't, if you can't figure yes. it out, then, then I don't, then, then we're done here. You know what I mean? Like then, then it's, it has to end one side has to go. We can't keep doing this, but just thinking that, Hey, we just put them on separate shows. It'll never be a problem. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah. That whole idea that it was never going to work and we knew it wasn't going to work. And it of course did not work. So yeah, that, that was poor leadership finally stepping up. This is the, the best sign of leadership from Tony Khan saying, you know what? Enough of this shit. I'm done with this. You go. Yeah. I'm done with this. I'm over it. I don't care how much money you're going to make me. I don't care how many tickets you're going to sell. I don't care how many pay-per-views you're going to sell. I'm done with it. I can't live in – we can't have this workplace. I can't have my employees be in this workplace. You got to go. Bye. That's the first major – and to do it in Chicago and to go out in front of people and say, I'm doing this in front of Chicago, that was the sign of great leadership. Right? Tony, I think there's been a lot of bad leadership from him. This was great leadership this weekend. So, so yeah, you get you got your whole story reversed, people. If this is the sign of bad it's, leadership it's the for reverse. you, yeah, the, the the poor leadership in regards to Punk wasn't that Tony Khan was too unfair or too hard on Punk. It was that Tony Khan was too lenient and too easy on CM Punk. That was the poor leadership in regards to Punk. And quite honestly, there's no other take on this one. Really, no. <laughs> that, that's just, no. Yeah, you you can't have a reasonably have another take in regards to that. It was absolutely we. Buried Khan for the poor leadership. Of course. Go back and listen wrote whatever a whole, it was. Whole fucking article about ago. it. Yeah, I wrote a whole fucking article about it. Yeah, you wrote the article, and it was the show either last week or the week, two weeks ago, maybe, I guess it was, uh, or three weeks ago. We we buried Khan under the earth for being soft and being a poor leader, but it, it, not in the ways that these people think he was a poor leader. And again, this is all rooted in emotion and childlike hatred of a tag team you don't like. That's what the vast majority of this is rooted in. Let's be honest about it. You're mad because you don't like uh, the super kick party. And you're taking an emotion. This is a lack of emotional and intellectual maturity from a lot of these people is exactly what it is. All right. Um, real quickly before we uh, we depart here, a couple more minutes left. Uh, collision number did not do well. Also, hey, they let go of CM Punk and then the collision number tanked. Unbelievable. I'm sure these two things are absolutely related. Uh, the first in a series of increasingly difficult weekends for Collision. We all knew about this. We sat on the show. Strap in. It's coming. Be an adult. Think about this rationally because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to use this to go, oh, my God, look at this. But uh, Saturday show. Uh, was the lowest in the show's 12-week history, which, you know, makes sense. It averaged a series low, uh, 345,000 viewers, and a .11 in the 18-49 to 49 demo. Uh, that is per WrestleNomics for both of those. Uh, the show was, of course, up against Payback and college football games on ABC, CBS, NBC, plus MLB games on Fox. So, yeah, we it had big drops. Coming. Yeah, we knew it was coming. 
And it was it was stark. And they're going and it was obvious, but yeah. Yeah. They're going head to head with Texas Alabama this week. Mm-hmm. They're gonna do like a point oh nine. I mean, because that's gonna that's gonna be one of the biggest games they go against. Texas Alabama. Doesn't get much bigger than that. It may not get bigger than that. Um, they finished behind something like twenty six games or something like that this past week. It's not only one big game that can hurt them. It's the, uh, you know, it's the fact that there's like seven games on while collision is on. So it's like death by a thousand cuts. Even if there's not one big, huge game, that's going to pop a huge number. And I guess this week it was Penn state, West Virginia. That that was the big game in that window, but there's like seven or eight games on across the dial, splitting that college football audience, which cumulatively is going to hurt collision every week just like we all suspected it would. And payback was this past week as well. And as we've seen, the WWE pay-per-views hurt Collision as well. But Texas-Alabama this week is going gonna, is gonna to be bad news for Collision. Yeah, it's not going to go well. And, and yeah, just strap in because it's going to continue to happen and, and, and people that don't understand why Collision exists or understand what you know ratings... It, we, you cannot... You cannot look at this show the way that you look at traditional professional wrestling, you know, ratings. You, you just can't. You cannot look at it like it is on Wednesday or on Mondays or on Tuesday night or something. Right. It's they, just they, it's yeah. It, it's you, you can't. It's not. It's designed to give Turner. It's designed to have Turner not take an absolute bath fifty-two times a, a year on Saturdays. Now it's going to take a bath a couple times a year, several times a year, in fact. But they're playing it for the summer that we just saw. They're playing it for the end of the NFL season. They're playing it for hell. Even during the NFL season or during the college football season, saying, you know what? Eh. 0.11, eh, better than what we had for, you know, whatever movie we we're going to, whatever Star Wars movie we we're going to play again. You know what I mean? Like that, it's for that. It's to keep that up and keep that, that momentum going throughout the rest of the year. And then, yeah, peak when there's not football on, not college football on, not, not major MLB games, not, you know, major NBA games. Like that's, they're going to battle a lot of stuff. Saturday nights is a, very competitive sports night. So, yeah, anybody trying to, you know, oh, my God, here we go. They fire punk, and now it's all downhill. It's like, oh, my God, we knew this was going to happen. Nonsense. Yeah. Here's uh, – are you ready for this? Here is what's head-to-head with collision this week, and this is just college football. Wisconsin-Washington State on ABC. UCLA-San Diego State on CBS. Charlotte uh, at Maryland on NBC. Oregon at Texas Tech on Fox. By the way, that's all four major networks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Texas at Alabama on <laughs> yeah, you're, ESPN. You're fucked. McNeese State at Florida on ESPN. Well, I don't know if that one's going to be good. <laughs> Texas, Texas at Alabama, the Pat McAfee second screen experience on ESPN2. Uh, you, uh, you, uh, Central Florida at Boise State on FS1. Arizona at Mississippi State on SEC Network. Eastern Michigan at Minnesota on Big Ten Network. Temple at Rutgers on Big Ten Network alternate channel. Southern Miss at Florida State on ACC Network. UC Davis at Oregon State at, on the Pac-12 Network. Cincinnati at Pitt on the CW. All five net- networks. Oh, CW too. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Houston at Rice on NFL Network. Air Force at Sam Houston State on CBS Sportsnet. And then four games on ESPN Plus streaming. This is what they're going up against every Saturday for the rest of the fall, and that's just college football. That doesn't include MLB playoffs are coming UFC, very soon. UFC, mm-hmm. as you just noted, 
MLB playoffs, WWE pay-per-views. So again, even if there's not a big college game, collectively, there's millions of people watching those 12 games that I just laid out or whatever it is. So here's what you keep your eye on. Does Tony Khan lose interest in collision because no one's watching? Right. That's the thing to keep Mm -hmm, your mm -hmm. eye on. I don't think he will. I think you just keep your head down and produce a good show every week and know you're going to get slaughtered. And but but you have to consider because AEW has a history of losing interest in their non-dynamite shows. We've seen it with every single show they've ever produced. Eventually it becomes something other than what it started as because they lose interest in it. Go right down the line. So that's the thing I think you keep your eye on. You don't get wrapped up in the numbers. Right, right. There's going to be weeks that this show does like a .07. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but once you stop seeing Danielson and you stop seeing the Bucks and you stop, you don't, you never see Moxley. Like now, especially now that the the, the Punk thing is is over, that'll be the real tell. Is is look at the stars. Look who's on this show. You know, once it once it starts not having those guys, like because it looks like Danielson's going to be a big part of the show moving forward a lot. You know, yeah. once 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 yeah. he's gone. Then yeah, you know once FTR are gone and they're not there every single week or whatever, then yeah, then 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 you'll know that they have. But I I don't know. We'll, we'll see. The the problem is they still have to sell tickets to it, right? You know that that might be what saves it from them losing interest in producing a right, right, show. right. Rampage, you just throw at the end of Dynamite. Hey, these people are fucking around, right. staying around anyway, or they're they're coming early to the show. Fine, we'll just tape. Yeah, but you got to sell tickets to this collision stuff, so. And uh, they have uh, they need a little work in the uh, ticket selling department for sure in AEW right now. That that is the more thing. People will point at ratings because they don't want to do the work on on ticket sales or whatever. That is the more damning thing. They got like less than two thousand people for Cincinnati next week, I think, for for Dynamite so far, which is the domestic ticket sales are a massive problem and something to keep your eye on. And those upper decks, I'll tell you, Indianapolis upper deck closed off again. Well, you know it's. Uh... People are saying that they're telling stories on the TV now, and we're all hmm. super pleased with that. I, right? What's <clears> that gonna? It's got to translate at some point. <laughs> Sometimes I mean, people, they were, you got to make they business. Were selling more, they sell were selling tickets. more tickets when they when they were allegedly not telling stories. Right, right. right? When they were they wrestling were and having good tickets. matches and stuff, that was selling tickets. But now they're you know when they were allegedly not telling stories, they were selling more tickets than now when they're telling stories, and they've been telling these stories since the spring these over you know wrought stories of that here's one um i have a friend who is a member of one of these uh seat filler slash ticket uh giveaway sites that it's predominantly centered around broadway shows will will give away tickets either for free just to have the seats filled or super on the cheap but occasionally sports and stuff like sports and stuff like wrestling will sneak onto the site he was able to buy a ticket to Grand Slam today for five dollars mm. because AEW Grand Slam is now an offered event on the seat filler site. Mm, 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 mm. So, you know, they know Grand Slam is struggling and they're essentially giving away the tickets at this point. Because Grand Slam is struggling and the tickets aren't moving. It's yeah. still in the five thousands, I think. So, you know, two years ago, instant sell out. Last year at this point, they were at what? Nine ten thousand out. 
this year they're at like 5,000 or 5,500 out. And now they, they've, they've, you know, they've got those tickets up on the seat filler sites. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so, the, the, um, Russell dream. I don't know if you saw that as well. Russell Ticks pointed this out uh, a couple hours ago, actually. Three hours, actually, right when we got on the air here. Uh, pre-sale update for the uh, AEW Wrestle Dream is from WrestleTix, patreon.com slash WrestleTix. Uh, they sold 2,616 tickets for that show so far in their pre-sale. But, uh, that's in like three weeks. Yeah, that's October 1st. Current setup for that and is 6,302, and that's in the Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, which holds more than 6,000. So they are already they, – they're, they're cutting off a large chunk of that building – to do just the six thousand or whatever, and they only distributed two thousand six hundred and sixteen for their presale. So they don't anticipate putting close to five figures in that building. No. It's not an established pay-per-view brand for them yet. And people have not responded to it, is basically what the bottom line is. Yep. They also haven't done anything to build it yet on TV because right now they're building Grand Slam mm-hmm. with this tournament and everything, and Samoa Joe and Roddy Strong and all this shit. And um so that's going to give them what a little two week window to build the pay per view. When's what's the date on Grand Slam? It's uh, uh, Grand Slam 20th? is the tw- uh, da, 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 I believe you're right. The twentieth, yeah, yeah, because next twenty or twenty seven. Twenty, I think it's twentieth. I think it's twentieth. Yeah, so that gives them a week and a half to build the Seattle pay per view. Yeah, um, and 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 again, sell the tickets, um, sell some tickets to it, but. You know, I could see why people wouldn't be in a rush to buy those tickets. They're like, what is Wrestle Dream? What is this? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it doesn't have the brand recognition of Full Gear or any of the pay per views that they do every year. Um, you know, Revolution, you, you know them all. So it's like, you know, people are like, I don't know what the fuck this is. And I don't know how good of a market the Pacific Northwest is for them. How often do they go there? I right. don't even know. Last in their Pacific Northwest. Um, Guess we're finding out not that good <laughs> so far. Well, you know, listen. There's not a lot of good markets for them right now. The UK. This for Wembley. That was good. This MJF Adam Cole grab ass story. It's red hot, Rich. It's oh yeah, fucking red hot. Listen to that crowd. Listen to those crowd during these promos. Come on. Yeah, the crowd is hot. I'm not even being fucking a wise guy. It's red hot in the buildings. But uh, I don't know. It's it's certainly not reflecting yet in the tickets, and maybe it will. I feel like we've had these discussions before about something else, but I can't put my finger on what that story was. Which one was that? Ah, it's the bloodline, Rich. Mm. Bloodline. The thing that this isn't anything like. <laughs> a lot of um, so. Real quickly before we uh, we depart here, UFC, WWE merger dates. Uh, by the time we talk next week, WWE will be a brand new company. They will be a part of TKO Group Holdings. Uh, and publicly traded under the symbol TKO because Endeavor, who owns UFC and World Wrestling Entertainment, are going to merge on September 12th, 2023. Uh, Vince McMahon, Endeavor CEO Ari Emanuel, and WWE CEO Nick Khan are all part of the new board of directors. We talked about that when the news came. Uh, there's still one board seat available, presumably to be held by a member of the WWE staff, but that has not been filled yet. And uh, WWE head of creative Paul Levesque and UFC president Dana White are not on the new board, but will maintain their roles. So uh, one seat uh, left on the board. Hey, uh, what's Stephanie McMahon up to? She seems like she's been pretty available lately, right? I think I she's. Uh, she's I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. A name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Strange. What happened to the public face of this company for a decade? And she went away. 
Ah, well. But that her husband is, is still there all the time. And he does press conferences. Isn't that, well? <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> TKO Holdings. You're going you're gonna to you buy the, the, stock in TKO Holdings, Joe? I will not. The thing to look at with that is uh, are they going to cut the roster in a similar fashion that you that they did with UFC? Right. That's the thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one wrestler. I was having a discussion with a wrestler today um, about all of this stuff and when's the ideal time for to be a free agent and all this. And, and my answer, you know, they were looking for advice because they don't really follow the business and the wrestling. And, and um, my answer was, look, no one knows how this merger is going to shake out. So it's, it's hard to say what the prospects are going to look like for free agent wrestlers. You know, the merger goes through in a couple of days and then we're going to see how Endeavor handles the talent budget. Right. I wouldn't do any moves right now if I were you. I would stay put wherever you're at right now and see what happens by next week. Because it might be it might happen immediately, it might happen over time, but I think we'll have a much, much, much better idea by next week and, and by the end of this month. You know, what what well, this WWE company is. WWE hasn't really signed anyone except Brian Pillman Jr. And that was a developmental deal, and that's a different animal. Right. You know, and it, it's it's I don't know if there's a hiring freeze necessarily, but it's certainly a wait and see kind of thing. And then we see how Endeavor handles the roster and the roster budget and the, the landscape for free agent wrestlers can change drastically. If WWE is no longer in the game of, um, of, of really caring about anyone other than the super tippy top stars, which is has, which has been the UFC model, right? Right. From what I understand. So even guys who were champions and and what in pro wrestling vernacular would be uh, upper mid-carders or part-time main eventers, they've let them walk. They've let those level guys walk. And they don't care about anyone below the tippy-top level. And there is a possibility that they handle the wrestling side the same way. Oh, absolutely. Well, Nick and, and, and Vince were handling the wrestling side like that for years. And then the Vince thing happened, and I think you know, either to to give Paul you know his his toys back, or or to you know kind of gain you know goodwill back from a lot of people. A lot of those people were brought back over the last you know year or so with, with, with Triple H coming back into power and doing that sort of stuff. But we saw Nick and Vince do that. Every every quarter call would come, and they'd say, "Ah, yeah, we got to get rid of all these people. All right, here you go. Here's a list of people. Get rid of them." Yeah. Those guys are now in charge. You know, those guys are in charge. You know, Paul's the head of creative. That's good. But uh, now he's got a board of directors that that has no, you know, half that board of directors doesn't give a fuck about your plans for, you know, wrestler X or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, they don't care. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, going to be absolutely. interesting to see. I don't know. I will, we will know. I think we're going to find out very, very quickly next week what, what the, what the, what the landscape is yeah, going to be. Was this the last wave of free agents that could play both sides against each other? Was it the elite and, you know, whoever else signed recent deals? Was that it? I, I don't know. We don't know. You know, so if WWE gets super conservative with their roster budget, then AEW doesn't have to be as aggressive in the offers they make people. If there's no one, because then we're back to a situation where you're, you don't have anyone to negotiate off of. Right. So it's going to be that to me, that's the most interesting aspect of the merger because the wrestlers whose contracts have come due over the last four years have really been in the driver's seat. 
and have made a lot of money. That's the best part about and AEW. It's, it's 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 why every wrestler in the world. We talked about it when AEW first got announced. You're you're. I literally used the term. I, I used Mojo Rawley should be jumping up and down at this, and then he got a fucking massive deal to stay there, and obviously they then fired him because their contracts don't really mean anything, but. Those guys got, I mean, so many people. Your, your lowest of the low, your highest of the high, it did not matter. Everybody was going to benefit by AEW existing because now you can play, well, you know, I just go over to there. Oh, I got this offer here. I mean, it's the easiest thing in the world to do, and that might be done. That might be done. Who knows? So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's all the great unknown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a new business. I, I think a lot of people aren't quite ready for this, but it's they're, they're a new company after this, you know, in a couple of days. They're a brand new company. And, and, and look. They may view the wrestling side different than the UFC side. Sure. Or or you know, the WWE guys fight harder, where where maybe Dana true. was like, yeah, fuck it. I don't know. I don't need these guys. Fuck them. Get, fire them all. I don't give a shit. I don't care. This guy's a pain in my ass anyway. Yeah, right, right. Fuck where Ari Emanuel was like, yeah, we got his budget. And he's like, ah, fine. Fire these 20 guys. I don't need them. <laughs> get rid of them. I don't, I, you yeah. know, WWE guys might fight for them a little harder. Now, I would, I don't think Nikon, <laughs> judging by. His past. I don't think the WWE CEO Nikon or or you know the new whatever Vince McMahon's title is. I forgot what his title was. I, I don't think he's going to fight super hard for those guys. But I don't know. We'll see. And the bottom line, it's not Vince and Paul. Ultimately, they have to answer to someone else now. Right. So, you know, maybe fascinating, and we'll we'll talk about it next week. All right, that is it for us on the flagship. Make sure you subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash voicesofwrestling, voicesofwrestling.com slash Patreon, or flagship patreon.com for the NFL Intelligentsia, for the Freedom of Choice AWF series, for all of our bonus audio, for the instant reaction live of AEW All Out, which we uh, went about three hours talking about the CM Punk situation and reviewing All Out. That is all available on our Patreon, $5 tier or $10 tier to unlock every single bit of audio and written content that we do. Uh, we also have a Discord, uh, voiceofwrestling.com slash Discord. Make sure you join that. And uh, yeah, make sure you subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. Subscribe to us on YouTube, all that other good stuff. Uh, as we always say for the live listeners, if you want more wrestling content, the Mike and JD show is streaming right now. So when we go off the air, uh, you can stick with the Voice of Wrestling YouTube channel and just go on right now and listen to the Mike and JD show uh, as well. But uh, that is it for us. That is Joe. I'm Rich. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Bye. Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate.